Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Thursday and on a gorgeous, gorgeous setting in the UNF Arena. I have not been here. Uh, I know they're friends at the CSI companies. Chris Flakus and all those wonderful folks over there got involved with Nick and the team over here to, to renovate. The new hospitality suite is here. We are here. Uh, we are hospitality suite folks. Okay, so I think we belong here. The new floor is gorgeous. They've done a fantastic job, and it's great to be here at UNF with our friends here with the Ospreys as they play host to uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Tonight. Is that a gorgeous floor? They did a great job with it. It's incredible. I, I don't recall ever seeing a floor that color, which I like. It's, it's, it's hard to taupe, do things it? yeah, it's kind of a taupe. that's unique, you know, and it's not, like, ostentatious like the Oregon yeah. court that you have to stare at it for 30 minutes to mm-hmm. realize it's a forest of trees. You know, right. tr- uh, but it's it's unique, and I like that. It's hard to do that in basketball, but it uh, it's it's fascinating. It's, yeah. it's a gorgeous facility. It is. It really sets off the I think the entire ambiance here, and I would say that they're going to call that gray more than taupe, just because oh, they're. I, I, that's what I'm going to guess is that they're going to call see, it more gray because they're gray and navy. No, listen to me. You see that little outline of the you, you see? Yes, the, that's a that, lighter gray. That's gray. Hey, <laughs> stay with me here. Yeah. You're floor, asking him? The floor is a yeah, good point. The floor is taupe, and that's a gray outline of the UNF, right? Okay. And taupe is a <laughs> color? It's, it's that. Yes, it is that. That's what it is. So there you go. We'll ask Coach Driscoll when he joins it us is in gorgeous. the next segment. He's going to join us in about 10 minutes or so. So um, a lot to, we're so happy to be here. Though. I, I, I tell you this all the time. I get geeked out. We go to JU. We go to UNF. I just love coming over, and I love uh, – being around it all, and, and I'm proud of our schools, and it means a lot to me that uh, that they're here. So this is good. They've done a gorgeous job in here. So congratulations to all of them. And the Ospreys are playing well. Certainly they've uh, they won two in a row against, uh, against JU in their season. I, w- I don't know if on the brink, but certainly when they had to make their move in February, like often they do, they did, and they've won two games. So we're here to, to watch them play against uh, Gulf Coast tonight. Uh, and see if they can make it three in a row against a team that I think they should beat. So we'll talk about the game and the specifics of the game that comes up a little bit later on. Got a Super Bowl coming up. I'm kind of looking forward to a little Super Bowl talk. I got a topic for you today, uh, Hayes. I want to go through who are the most important players in the game that are not playing quarterback. Okay? That's a great question. Uh, who, 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 who can really affect this game the most that is not going to play quarterback? Because if you think about it, and, and no disrespect to Travis Kelsey, maybe the best tight end in the game, one of the best of all time. But it's not a game of named stars if you take the quarterbacks off the field. You know that? I mean, it's, it's not. There's not a lot of guys, and I know that's the league we're in these days, or the the way. But it's not a. You know, it's not a game of gigantic, longtime, legendary name. Great players, by the way, but not a lot of legendary names. If you don't talk about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I would say. Former Heisman winner Devonta Smith uh, would be amongst the most popular, and then of course Travis Kelsey's brother Jason Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then it, certainly Hassan Reddick has gained notoriety this season. But I'm not sure before this season a lot of people knew who Hassan Reddick was. Yeah, but but even even those guys, if if those are the guys, Chris other than Jones. Travis Kelsey, yeah, and Chris Jones, Chris Jones, yeah. yeah, they're good players. Chris Jones and Frank Clark for sure. But if those are the guys, the big names, it's not not a lot of big names. No, and, and again, it's uh, it's this is the kind of game where some very good players could become elite on their way to Canton kind of players if they perform well. I mean, let A.J. Brown go for 150 yards and two touchdowns, and 
people are going to view him in a different light. Let Hassan Reddick get two sacks on Mahomes and uh, force a fumble. I mean, it's uh, I think Dallas Goddard has an opportunity to really elevate his, his numbers. He should be considered one of the best tight ends in the NFL, and for whatever reason, he isn't. Uh, I don't know whether it's he played at a small college or you know he had that off season where he got knocked out at a bar, and and I you know I don't I don't know if you know why it's been like that, uh, but. To me, he's an underrated player that could have an absolutely outstanding game Sunday and, and elevate himself. So I, I agree with, with your point of Mahomes is the stratospheric star, and then there's 20 players, and, and Travis Kelsey's a, a, a superstar. Uh, but once you get beyond those two, Philadelphia just has like 15 guys that are all really good. And uh, and But it will be interesting to see because a lot of legacies are going to be made and and some are going to be uh, stifled on Sunday. Yeah, and a lot of good players now. I'm not making a point there's a lot of good players, just not a lot, not as big a name a guy. So, so we'll certainly talk about that. So that comes up today uh, on the program. We'll talk a little hoops. KD's changing teams. With all the hubbub about LeBron, he, 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 for people that don't know, set the scoring record yesterday, I think, or the last couple of days. People know that, I think. All the hubbub about everything Steph Curry has been in, what, the last decade, mm-hmm. give or take, something like that? Yeah, longer. Yeah, or, or longer, but, yeah. but really, good point. But really, years. yeah, Bill, it really been uh, the talk in, in that stretch. Kevin Durant's a really good player, and he just got traded to the Phoenix Suns, who have a really good team. So you wonder, is he, is he going to win another title? Because I'll, or his, I want to get to this later. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but let me get a quick thought from you. Is he, you know, he was the finals MVP twice. But is he given credit for that title, or did he get credit for jumping on board with Steph and Draymond and, and Clay Thompson? Yeah, he needs to win it in Phoenix, and because uh, so far that is his legacy as a champion. Is he sort of jumped on the yeah. the, the winning ticket in Golden State, and uh, and really hasn't been able to duplicate that anywhere else. And and this is now, I mean, you're now talking about a superstar that's been on more teams than you would think a superstar would be on Correct. in their career. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I do like this move for Phoenix. I mean, they're I think they're fifth or sixth right now in the West, so they're in. But, I mean, he, this guy's averaging 30 points a game. I mean, it, it's to to be able to acquire Durant and everything that comes with that and basically give up nothing but picks and some role players. I mean, I think Phoenix has got a chance to be incredible uh, if they can stay healthy over the next you know couple months. I think his legacy right now is that he's kind of crazy. That's what I – not as crazy as Kyrie, but the fact that he created his own Twitter account to be able to clap back people that were, you know, saying bad things about him. And I think he's – yes, he's a really good player, but I don't think he's ever going to go down as one of the best players in the NBA. I, I like him. I, I, and I, I, I think he might go down. I think, I think the, end, the end is going to be interesting. I and mean, we're talking about a 13-time All-Star now. We're talking about a two-time Finals MVP – a one-time league MVP, a six-time first-team All-NBA guy. That means one of the best five in the league. Um, he's a really good player now. I mean, this guy's had a really, really good career. He just doesn't have championships he won by himself. That, 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 that's, he, never, he never carried a team to a championship without a lot of help. LeBron is the ultimate of that. Jordan is the ultimate of that. Jordan, I mean, I will tell you this, not us that are, I mean, not us that are in the sports business, but common fan guy. You could probably name Scottie Pippen. I would think common fan guy can't name a lot of those Bulls guys. You could get the Rodman and Grant maybe. That might be it. 
For, you, you know, if you think about it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll leap into my grave saying if Scottie Pippen hadn't played with Michael Jordan, there's no way he'd be considered one of the 50 best players of all time. 100% agree with that. And if I asked you quickly, tell me four guys that were on LeBron's Cavs championship team. Could you do it? No. Could you do it? No. I could get Kevin Love. Yep. The guy the he yelled at. I so, so I got one. J.R. Smith, then he yelled at J.R. Yeah. So I get J.R. Smith. I think he was on that team. Um, there was, a, was, there was the guy from Georgia Tech, Terry somebody. Um, <laughs> that, but, but, I mean, and we're in the business. The, the LeBron Cleveland title yeah. is his best achievement. Correct. As yeah. a pro. I mean, that was single-handedly carrying a team on his yeah. back. And I, and I do think, was, was Kyrie there? I do. I, yeah, I think Kyrie was there, and Kyrie was the second best player on the team. You get the point. Yeah. The point is there weren't a lot of guys that. Uh, so and KD doesn't have that. So and again, I'll get to it later in the program because it is an interesting topic to me. Will he have it if they win now? Because Booker's there and Chris Paul's there. You know, he'll have it because they've never won it. Because they, they and the they sons have never won it, and they're not Steph. And, yeah. they, and, that, and they're, they're good, but they're, they're not Steph. Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. So we'll talk all about that. So we've got a lot of fun things to talk about on the program today. Uh, Charlie Strong out at Miami. Charlie Strong's legacy I want to get to a little bit. One of the most well-liked guys. What will he be most remembered for? Uh, if he doesn't coach again, he's 64 years old. Um, they say he left of his own volition. I don't believe that. I believe uh, uh, after one year, Mario was cleaning house on a lot of don't you think? Yeah. On a lot of fronts, and I, th- I don't. I don't think uh, I'm not. I'm going to guess he didn't have a lot of a lot of say in that. Would be my 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 take. Because both defensive coordinators are gone. Yeah, yeah. It, Kevin it, Steele and then Charlie yeah, Strong. Yeah, and the offensive coordinator is gone. Yeah. Right. So so I think they were they were kind of cleaning house. And the winning is gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, the winning left before them. Yeah. Okay. True. They've now left now. Okay. So so there. But and I'm going to talk about a little baseball spring training talk a little bit. Give you not necessarily the details of the specifics, just the charm and the romance that the spring training is. We get closer and closer. Uh, that comes up in a bit. We got an old rock Thursday. Got a whole lot more to do. Glad you're with us live from UNF on a Stanley Pools Thursday. It's 1010XL, and when we come back, Matthew Driscoll joins us to uh, preview tonight's game and talk about the nice run the Ospreys are on. We'll kick off the show with Coach Driscoll after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Saturday night in the uh, Times Union Center. John Mellencamp in town, so he'll be the act on Old Rock Thursday today. We've had Jaguars football. We've had wins. We had a great season. But my, I don't, can't speak for you guys. My life is not complete until I hear the eggs. I need the eggs. Okay, <laughs> I, I just need. I got my. I got needs. My needs are small. But now that Matthew Driscoll is cooking the eggs before the nap, I feel complete as he joins us now. Matthew, how are you, man? Oh. Hey, hopefully you enjoy that picture I sent because that's going to be a good meal here in a second. I, <laughs> I'd love to tell, let you guys know that welcome, first of all, to the Bank of England Hospitality Suite. And hopefully you guys understand you guys get top shelf. You don't get the well. Like, so 2022 is the code. <laughs> so behind the bar where it says brick is, is the code. 2022 will get you in. If you guys go all top shelf. And then tell them to put it on my tab because I want to make sure you guys get the best. The best. You're the greatest. You are absolutely the greatest. And by the way, this thing's beautiful, Matthew. I had not been had a chance to get in here. The floor, the setting, the hospitality suite, the walls. I, you got, and, and I know our, our, our buddy Chris Flake is from CSI. is one of the all-time good guys around here. But you got to be really proud of this. And I, and I mean that sincerely. What, what, a, what a gorgeous look we have here now. I tell you what, when you look at Saturday and you go back to the crowds like we were having – 
when we won back-to-back championships. And then, of course, in 2020, when we won our third championship, 4,400 with the new sound system, the new lights, the new ambiance, so to speak. Uh, it was it was really really rocking. It was really 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 lit. Like it was a it was an unbelievable 1,300 students. Like it was it was cool. Um, it was always a great place because I always thought it could get loud, but I didn't know it could get to that level. And I didn't realize what that hospitality suite, even though we lost some some seats, so to speak, were 5,100 now capacity, but what it really provided was a difference. It's, it's, it really provides a difference to the look, to the way in which other teams come in and the way in which the field is from up there and then the courtside seats. And, and of course, we've, we've overloaded those as well, too. And, and uh, so it's really, really a, a great place to come watch college basketball. And our league's really good. Our league's special. I mean, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, who we play tonight at 7 o'clock, we tip. Like, they're going through the same thing we were going through. And, um, you know, they've lost, I think, four games by one point and, and, and like, six games in the last possession. And, and like, so it's like the league is, like, so, so, so good. And it's so competitive every single night. So it's a great it's a great in-town entertainment uh, opportunity. And it's even gotten better now that we've done all that improvement. Agree on all counts. And speaking of your team, uh, again, with all the football, I haven't had a chance to see anybody till last Thursday. Well, you got I, – I was real impressed. I, long, athletic, make shots like you always do. I thought played with great intensity. Uh, again, I haven't seen your games leading up to it, Matthew, but I was overwhelmingly impressed a week ago. You had to feel good about how you played in the last couple of weeks, right? So that was the problem early. Gosh darn it. We got to get you out to the game quicker. <laughs> That's right. I knew something was awry, but I wasn't really sure. Now um, we know. You, you know. You know, I really thought with this older team and – Actually, Florida Gulf Coast is actually, you know, they're the second oldest team in the league. They're actually extremely old, too. I think we're fourth. And, um, you know, with this team and the guys coming back and where we were, it just didn't start the way I thought it would. And especially after the Duquesne, the Washington, the preseason, and the way the non-conference went. However, like everything else in history, and you guys know this as well as anyone, uh, especially with what you do with the Jaguars. And when – yesterday's history and tomorrow's a mystery. We know today's the greatest day we have. So we have to continue to really take what you saw and what you thought and continue to grow from that, which I think we did even on Saturday. I think we even grew from that coming back from that on Saturday with a quick flip with your, you know, in town, 10 miles away um, uh, opponent. Matthew, when it comes to defense, you guys have been much improved. What has changed as far as, as far as what we've seen the last few games? Well, you know, I'm going to sell it online at uh, uh, UNFB, at UNFB ball. You go to my Twitter, and I'm going to sell this powder online. And you take this powder, <laughs> and you just throw it in the air, and you just clap your hands four times. You smack the floor, and you yell as loud as you can. You go, defense! Oh, yeah! And then you clap three times. Boom, boom, boom. I love this game. That's all you got to do. And when you do that, it's amazing. You start moving your feet faster, your hands don't come into play as much, you're alert, you're into rotations, you're contested. Willie gave up, I think, four threes uh, in both games combined. So, you know, I, I, there's no magic formula, and there's no magic dust, um, uh, 1999. If you order now, you get a second bag for free. <laughs> just, just, just pay the shipping and handling. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that because – and the other thing, too, is – and this is something I think that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Our offensive rebounding was also much, much better. And I think when you do that, 
and you have second chance opportunities and, and you slow down their ability to say flip the floor. I think that comes into play with it as well, too. So, yeah, 100%. You're right on it, Lord. Matthew, what stands out about Gulf Coast? What challenges do they present? Uh, two. Number one, they got a really, really, really good interior score that, that, that can really weirs his name. And, and um, he's done a great loss, about 30 pounds from last year. And, and he does a really good job. He's extremely physical. If you guys remember Michael Buchanan from Upstate, 6'10 kid, a couple years ago, maybe six, seven years ago, he's a lot like him, a guy that can really command the interior space. And then they, they put a bunch of guys around him, one of them being a Purdue transfer, the Thompson kid, number 11, who's shooting a pee out of it and really, really shooting almost 12 threes a game. And he's made six threes in his last three of his last four games. And then they got another kid named Chase Johnson, who you guys remember made a game winner for Stetson last year um, here at home. Um, uh, he transferred to Florida Gulf Coast. Um, said it had nothing to do with his girlfriend goes there, but whatever. Um, so he transferred <laughs> to Florida Gulf Coast. And, and so they got, they, they got some guys that can really stretch it. And then they got like a double-headed, uh, uh, you know, Caleb Caddo's been in the league. This is his fifth year. He's a super senior. And he really does. A nice, nice, nice job as far as doing everything, like jack of all, you know. But they got this double-headed monster as well, too. Uh, Dakota Rivers and, and Zach Anderson, they're the same 0 and 10. Uh, they, they have same size, same athleticism, same build, same stroke. Um, so they can really stretch you with a guy that can score on the interior. So, you know, down there, that, that was a little bit of an issue um, uh, when we played them the first time. And, 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 and so that, that's something that we really have to be alert to and and, and and I would say this to you: We've got to bring the physicality from the from the jump. Matthew, the uh, the point guard bar around here has been set pretty high with Dallas Moore and Ivan <laughs> Gondorosa. I got to tell you, this guy, this guy Placier, uh, again last week seeing him and then kind of following what he's done again Saturday. Even though I wasn't here, I watched it. Um, well, he's playing at a great level, isn't he? So he, it's, it's, I'm glad you actually said that. Um, and I don't think people give him enough props. Last year. Um, you know, he got that concussion, and, and the JU game at home, none of us knew he was still playing with a concussion after he got his head stepped on. And so he had to go out again, and then he comes back, and then he breaks his hand. And what nobody knew, because obviously it's, it, it is what it is, he also was playing with a torn meniscus um, that he couldn't do anything else worse to, so he had to make a decision with his family, and he decided to play instead of having the surgery till after the season. So he really, really, really navigated a lot of stuff. And when you have those two dudes you mentioned for seven straight years and then you throw the keys to him, to his credit, you know, he's really done a great job of, of understanding what he's about. And the other thing, too, is he's so tight with Yvonne, and him and Dallas have really, really started a, a really cool relationship. The thing I love about Jose is he knows he's not either one of them, that he's his own special self in and of himself. So I think that's what enabled him to be as good as he's been. Matthew, we were having a debate earlier over the color of the court. What color is the actual court? I would call it a, a very, very light gray, almost like an ash um, uh, gray, ash. like, like you would find like you would find on mm -hmm. the end of a, like when you get done with your charcoal and, 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 it's, and it's there. I, I would say mm -hmm. it would be that. When you get closer to it, it actually gets lighter. The further you are away, it actually looks darker. Um, um, so it does have a little bit of that um, craziness to it. Matter of fact, I might sell that online too. But it, it, it has that craziness as well too. So it's really, really a cool deal, um, and it's unique. It's extremely unique. 
And you know the other thing, too, if you notice this year watching college basketball, the women's line is now the men's line. Right. So now we all have the same line, so it makes the court even that much cleaner. So it really has a unique and a very, very powerful, and, and, it, and it does there as well, but it also comes through unbelievably on TV. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the look of it as well. I'm, I'm curious from a competitive standpoint, have you noticed, does it affect the visitor at all? Uh, from a shooting perspective, have, 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 do you have actually, any data that would support or not support that? No, no I, I, actually, until this last weekend, uh, I was I was going to Nick after the season. That's when we could go back to the to the, to the pure floor. Good lord, I thought, man, this thing must be helping people out. Um, uh, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think. I, I think at the end of the day, you guys know this. Like an athlete's an athlete. It's ninety-four by fifty. The rims are ten. It's twenty-two. You know, uh, three and three cores is twenty-one seven seven eight to the court. Like the court is the court, uh, but I think it's the other stuff that really affects you more because you're not looking down a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's the other stuff. I think it's the the different bleachers. I think it's the different. Um, uh, uh, what do you call those lines? What do you call those lines? Um, like depth of perception. Yeah. yeah, those perception lines. I think it's yeah. you know, on the one end you got nothing. You got the hospitality suite. On the other end, you got all those students who have been unbelievably crazy with noodles and all that kind of stuff. So Carrie went around, she went to every Dollar Tree and, and, and did an incredible job. Of course, I wouldn't allow her to buy green ones, but she went to every Dollar Tree <laughs> and uh, and got as many noodles as possible. That's so that's really helping in the student section. I, I have a final question. I'm going to let you eat your eggs and go take your nap. But I, but I ask you this every year, but it's a serious question, and I think you're ahead of your time a little bit. It's now more than ever, in my opinion, now more than oh. ever – if you can't make shots, you can't win. If you can't make shots, you can't win. And if you can't get them up fast, your team is all – I'm serious about this now. Your team has always gotten shots up quick. They never pass up an open – I mean, that's a practice thing, right? It's your personality, I know. But how do you do that? Is that does the question make sense, Matthew? I mean, so, your team is – So, I'm, I, it, first of all, it's unbelievable you asked that question. Because – and I'm going to tell you why. And I love the fact that you asked that question, and I love the fact that you phrased it the way you phrased it. And I'm just, I'm just giving you facts because when you give facts, reality is reality. Yeah. So we started this back in like 2013-ish, 2012-2013 when Bo mm-hmm. was starting to mm-hmm. come around and that group started coming in. And so we've been doing it for almost 10 years, right? So last night I'm watching that Alabama-Florida game. Right. And maybe you were too, and maybe that's why you're asking me this question. And all of a sudden they're talking about how this guy, you know, made it – Layups and, you know, rim, rim twos, they call it. Rim twos yep. and threes only. And I'm thinking to myself, you're going to pay him $30 million <laughs> to do something that we've been doing for 10 years, that layups and dunks and wide open threes and, like, yep. embrace, you know, pace, space, embrace. And, that, and that's what you got to do. No, no more middle shots. It's all about threes and layups and dunks. So I'm so glad you said that because, yes, we will, we will always embrace it. We will always coach it because at the end of the day, there are – listen to this, Frank. There are, I think we're 12th, and we're either third in the league or fourth. Don't quote me on that. But we're 12th in the country and made threes, and there's, there's two or three other teams in our league that are ahead of us. Because we haven't shot it quite at the pace this year. We're getting there, but we're not. So, like, 100% you're right. You are 100% right. It's about putting those threes and those layups in 100%. I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, God, and I'm so and glad. I, and I don't think another team's going to win a national title that doesn't do it. I I, I think the day I you can pound it inside all you want. I don't think you're going to see. And you're, I know you're saying layups and dunks too, but I'm saying 
even more than that. I'm saying I don't. If you can't get up three, if you're if you're not comfortable letting them fly when you're open, I don't think Correct. you can win a championship. I, I don't think you can win a championship. That's what I think. All right. oh, I, think, eat, I, think I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think so. Go eat your eggs. Thanks for joining us. Good luck tonight. Look forward to seeing you when you get back over here. Hey hey hey! Tweet that picture because that looks pretty good. I will, I will for All sure. right, baby. Hey, enjoy the top shelf now. Top shelf, Coach 2022. <laughs> Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. He's the greatest. He's just the greatest. Matthew Driscoll, the uh, head coach here at UNF. And, um, but I do, and I did hear him say it last night on the Alabama-Florida game. They said Nate Oates is uh, – it's, uh, it's whatever they call it, rim through, rims, rim layups or rim shots and, and, or, or open threes. No, nothing in between. I don't think you can win anymore if you don't confidently shoot and make threes. And, 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 do you agree with that? More than more yes. than it's ever been the case. More yeah, than it's ever, a, it's the same thing in football. If you yeah. can't throw the ball, that's right. That's right. You've got no chance. I don't care who your running backs are. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not going to win at a consistent level unless you can dominate through the air. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. Thank you for the master, Matthew Disco for joining us. I want to keep it on basketball for a second. I want to talk about Kevin Durant. He changed teams. I got some thoughts about that. It's next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. I lived on John Mellencamp on Old Rock Thursday, always a Stanley Pools Thursday. The last time Mellencamp was in town. Not so good, huh? Not great. So something tells me this time around yeah. he'll, he'll be a lot of fun. Are you going? I don't know. We, we got a bunch of us are talking about it a little bit. So I, I don't know. I might. I said On oh, the fence on Thursday. Yeah, I said before I, I would never miss Mellencamp because he's one of my five, six top, yeah. top acts. But I just saw a pretty good show, okay? Just, uh, just in case you want, he's I just not saw, going to live up. To I just saw a pretty good show, okay. and I got the Eagles coming up in about a month, and uh, we'll see. I might. I'm not. It's not a no. Okay. It's I haven't decided yet. So there you go. Interesting. Would you go, Hayes? Uh, I'm not going. Um, would I go? Yeah, I could be like, talked into. Yeah, it. but okay. but I, I'm not going to be. It's this Saturday. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not going Saturday yeah. night. All right. Uh, Kevin Durant was traded from the Nets to the Suns. We were talking about a little bit in the last segment, as far, or first segment, as far as his legacy. Frank, is he a ring chaser? There's no question he's that, and 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 he's he's re, he's and he's he's not a chased rings. He's caught him. You know, uh, he caught him. I, I I think Kevin Durant. I don't I don't think you say he's crazy. Yeah, he's different, but I I kind of like him. I, I'm, I've always liked Durant. I think he's a great, great, great player. Not a good player. I think he's a great player. I think he's one of the most skilled. I mean, he's a six foot ten small forward that can. With great range and great offensive skills, I mean, I think he's a great player. I just, for whatever reason, he didn't land on a team winning a championship, so he went and chased a championship with Steph and Draymond and Clay, and those will always be the years later. The identity of those Warriors teams will be those three guys. Okay, what well, won't it be Kerr, be Curry. Kerr, but a bit, but even to me, even more than Kerr for me will be Steph. And those two players, that that will be their team, and I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to feel. I mean, I really like him as a player, but I, I think he'll always be to Lauren's question the guy that chased the title, the guy that chased it. That, that's who I think he's going to be. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, particularly when you compare him to the other players uh, of his generation. Now, he's a top three player in this generation without a doubt, and he could make a case that he's top two, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I think this will be a, an, an important chapter for Kevin Durant because I think Phoenix is now the favorite. I, I know where they are in the standings. I get that they're fifth or sixth in the West. 
But you add a player like this and give away as little as you gave away in terms of current talent, I mean, I think Phoenix is going to be really, really strong now. And they've got plenty of time to improve their seating. And, again, once you get into the tournament, that all that kind of goes away anyway. So um, I, I think the Phoenix Suns just became the favorite to win it all. You said top two or three player. If he's three, is it Giannis? That's it would be one? like LeBron – Curry, Durant. I think so too. That's the three. Giannis didn't really. Yeah. Now, I mean, they're no, they're probably now six or seven years from now. Yeah. Multiple years apart. Yeah, 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 they're pretty far apart. But that's the three. The three you just ran off. That's the three. And I just, I, I don't know what the, th- but but I will tell you this, it's given me non NBA guy, something to watch as we head down the stretch here. I I will pay attention a little bit. I, I don't care about the Phoenix. You know why I don't care about the Phoenix Suns? Because I don't care about any NBA teams. I I just. Of all the deals that keep getting done around this time of year, that one really got my attention. And I and I, um, I kind of root for them. I kind of root for them. You, you probably don't care either way. I, you'll probably root against them because he chased a ring. You don't like that. I was looking at Lauren when I said that. Hey, you yeah. probably won't pay attention either way. And I'll probably root for him. Yeah, I won't pay attention until we've got a loser Monday. On then the you'll Finals. pay attention. Then I'll, then I'll be you. locked in. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I like Kevin Durant. I've got certainly no issue with him. So – uh, if if you were to tell me right now Phoenix is going to win the title, I think that's kind of cool. They've never won it before. They've had a great franchise. Uh, they're one of the teams that's kind of almost surprising that they've never won it because for most of my lifetime they've been uh, – they've certainly had moments of sustained consistency. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that would be cool. I You know, I'd love to see the Magic win it, but obviously they're not a factor. So, yeah, if it can't be the Magic, then why not the Phoenix Suns? It's interesting how the Nets were supposed to be the super team and now completely fallen apart. That thing really blew up, didn't it? Yeah, that was not a. a It might be like the absolute worst. Yeah. Yeah. Effort ever. Like, it might be the worst meshing of superstars and what they got out of it of all time. I mean, it was a colossal, colossal failure. That will be a fantastic 30 for 30 when they get around to doing that in five or six years is what happened there. How do you add three of the greatest players in, in their generation right. and get so little out right. of it? Now, obviously, the number one thing is going to be health, but it's still just incredible. It is. By the way, I started watching, speaking of 30 for 30, I'm about halfway through the Bullies of Baltimore. It is so good. Yeah, it is good. I can't wait to finish what it. What is it? What's it about? It's about the 2000 Ravens focusing oh, on the okay. defense. And it's great because they were able to film it, like Kate said, as far as in front of an audience. Uh, but they were able to film it with Tony Saragusa there. Yeah, yeah. And then about a month later, he passed away. So oh. it, it's really cool that they got all of that on film. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great story. All right, so we'll talk more basketball is coming up. But, but, but for me... I thought the Duran thing was just interesting. Florida last night, Florida, Alabama. How much did you watch? Watch uh, it all? Five minutes. Five minutes. Then you said, <laughs> you said uh, you, you've seen enough. They allowed, they allowed Yeah, it to. started off poorly, and then uh, – Which most of their games do, it yeah. seems. <laughs> At that point, it became, uh, yeah, you want to watch something else? And so uh, we started this new show called Poker Face that's yeah. really, really good. Um, and so uh, we just watched that. And then I – there are hour-long episodes, so then I – after I you switched it back, back in. <laughs> so I was like, all right, we can watch the next <laughs> okay. one. How about you? I went to bed at halftime. You did? Yeah. I knew it was yeah. over. Yeah. Oh, I, oh over. there's no doubt about that. Yeah. I ne- like, you know, sometimes if you go to bed before, not usually like anything Florida related, but if you go to bed during something you actually care about, maybe like a Sunday night NFL game, you'll, you're, you'll wake up like an hour later and be like, I wonder who won. And then I'll yeah. check my phone. There Last night there was none of that. The, so I'm watching it and then, and then and I'm watching the Twitter reactions because there's always a Twitter reaction. And, and again, so I wonder this, 
and and there's always the coach hater. You know, the Mike White was terrible. This guy's terrible. There, there's some fans out there that God bless them. God, that you you could go, you could be playing the Jordan Bulls with a middle school team. Jordan Bulls over here. Jordan Pippen, Horace Grant, uh, Phil Jackson coaching them. John Paxson, okay, over here on the left. And you could have a middle school team on the right, okay. And there's some fans that when the Jordan Bulls win 158 to 10, are going to blame the coach of the middle school team. You know that, right? He I, just didn't have a very good plan. I'm convinced. He didn't have a good. He didn't, if you know the what? middle schoolers yeah. scored 10 yeah. points He's on them. Right. I'd blame yeah. Bill Jackson right. yeah. too. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm, they didn't, they didn't have a very good plan. Florida fans could have Nick Saban as <laughs> yeah. their football coach yeah. and Greg Popovich yeah. as their basketball coach, and would want the coach fired yeah. Yeah. about every. Hey, yeah. Alabama yeah. fans yeah. kind of talked well, about yeah. Nick Saban well, potentially. And, and I think this too. I think that's clearly the case. But we focus on Florida fans because we know Florida fans because we, we, that's our team. And they're very I, loud. I don't think it's just Florida fans. I think fans in general in this day and age, I mean, I, I'm, I'm already seeing people, oh, that's typical golden, typical says, typical golden offense, typical Todd golden offense. He just – we have no idea what the typical Todd golden offense is. He, um, but so, so, so I get a kick out of Twitter how people are mad at – and by the way, they're still mad at Mike White. For those who missed it, he's not there anymore. So he's a, he, he can't affect this one. Yeah, see, I thought there would be less hate for Todd Golden at this point because there is. the Mike White haters at yeah. least got their wish. I, I'm telling you, I promise you, if Florida is 500 again next year, the Mike White haters will be the Todd Golden haters. It's always the coach's fault. But I bring it up for this reason. I, I'm not picking on fans because I'm a fan. But how they put together a team that shoots that badly is unbelievable. If there's one thing that Todd Golden does – Deserve a little criticism for he did assemble the team. I mean, it might be as bad a shooting team. It's not as bad a team as I've ever seen. I actually think they're kind of competitive and they're tough and they play hard. They do a lot of good things. They share the ball. They don't. They usually don't turn it over. They. They. Uh, Castleton's a wonderful player, by the way. He is. He is really coming. In. He. He's a good player. He is. Well, I don't know if he'll ever make it in the league or in the association. But he's a darn good college player. I mean, really good. But how do you have a team that shoots that badly? That consistently, it, it, it's 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 baffling to me. And that, back to the conversation we had with Matthew Risco earlier. In this day and age, you you have to shoot. I think it's great if you're a six five slasher and you get to the goal and you defend. But in this day and age, if you can't shoot it, I mean, I, I I've now watched this Florida team enough. And by the way, they still could go on a run and get to the tournament. I mean, they, they if they win their next two, Vanderbilt at home, which isn't going to be as easy. They just beat Tennessee. Vanderbilt at home and Ole Miss at home. Suddenly they are – they would then be – Eight and five in the league. Eight and five in the league and 15 and 11 overall. You're 15 and 11 and eight and five. You're kind of tracking it with with winnable games ahead of you. But I'm, t- I'm, honest, I'm honestly, in this day and age of shooting where everybody's got a basket, everyone's got a goal, how does a major college team who's, a, who's not a terrible team – shoot that badly it's it, it's alarming to me well it's amazing that castleton returned because if it wasn't for him this team would have won about four games this season right. it feels like i mean he was phenomenal last night i mean he was nine of 18 shooting it the rest of the gators combined were 13 of 45 from the field that's 28.8 percent so you've got one great player in colin castleton and i think he's a great college player They've got nothing besides him. I mean, there is no one else that even resembles a standout collegian player. 
and uh, you know, and so it's it's tough. Now, I, I do think this was this was always going to be the the toughest yeah, of these correct, four. It's correct. on the road. It's the fourth of four really tough games, uh, and, and so I. You know, I, I the fact that they got killed, I'm not overly concerned yeah, about it. I agree with that. I even liked how Todd Golden kind of approached it after the game. He basically was like, "We're just going to flush this game and yeah, move on." Right. Uh, you know, and and so I, I think I think you'll see a, a more refreshed Florida team and a better Florida team Saturday at three uh, three thirty at home against Vandy. But uh, yeah, it's 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 obviously something he's he's going to have to look at because some of these guys have eligibility left and. You know, I mean, they they've got to find two or three shooters, and again, you, you the defense you just hope will come. But I mean, at this point, you, you're they're treading water. I mean, it, it is their their numbers are just ghastly. I mean, we've gone over it. They've been in the you know low two hundreds in terms of national ranking and field goal percentage and three point percentage all year long. I mean, it is a dreadful offense. Well, and think of how much better it would be if you've got this presence with Colin Castleton. You kick it inside to him, and if he had anybody that could shoot on the perimeter, he kicks it back out, boom. That's a great offensive possession. And then when he's double teamed, then you have a guy open and to shoot. And, and to your be- point, he's a good passer. He's a great I mean, passer. He, he, see, he sees the floor out of the post really right, well. Right, but you're never going to win a basketball game. Honestly, it's amazing they had over 60 points when Myron Jones had zero and Lofton had two points. Yeah. It's amazing they even got to over 60 points. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it's because of Castleton. And, and, it, re- and it, re- it really is amazing. So, And by the way, and I don't fi- I, I, we had this talk many times on our program, I don't pretend to be a college basketball fan like I am a college football fan. So I don't see teams until Florida or Florida State play them. I saw Syracuse for the first time two nights ago because they played Florida State. I see Florida for the first – I saw Alabama. This guy, Brandon Miller, I, I, I again, and I'm, shame on me. I mean, I knew the name and I, knew, I saw the stats, but I had never watched him. Who boy, this guy. He's At least gotta, he won't be there next year. He's got to be the best player in college basketball, doesn't he? There, there can't be another he's guy. There. there can't be another guy. There can't be another guy. If he's without, I will tell you this, without, I've never, I have not looked at an NBA mock draft, not one time I will now after I say this, without looking at an NBA mock draft, without, without knowing what else is out there. I know Baycott and all the Carolina guys that froze my guy out are all back. But, <laughs> but, 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 but other, other than that, I don't know. There can't be two guys that go higher than him in the lottery. I can't at a college basketball. Yeah, at a college, right? right, yeah. right, I'm not right. About, I'm You're not, not talking, talking about the France. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, no, I'm talking about I, guys yeah, that are playing I, college. Can't I, there can't be? I think you're right because I, I want to say that he's projected as like a top four pick. He's fourth right now. So we know yeah. that we know that the the kid from France, the he's seven two guard, is going to go seven one. four seven four yeah. guard. That's just it's still just incredible. <laughs> I can't right. wait to watch it. Yeah, and um, then there's two guys. One I see G League elite and overtime elite. So he's the first college. So guy. he's the first college. There, player, there, yeah. there, there can't be a better college guy. I mean, this guy's this guy's Durant. We were just talking about mm-hmm. Durant. This guy's six nine six ten, gets it off lightning quick trigger, swishes everything, gets to the goal, and and again, I had no idea. I, did, I, I knew he was the leading scorer, and I, I knew Alabama had a guy named Brandon Miller as the leading scorer. And by the way, talk about catching a break. Nados has done a good job. His dad played football there. That helps too, you know, so, so, so it would help him get him. But he came out of Tennessee, and Nate Oates is good. He's a good coach. Um, I mean, I'm tell, they've never been to a Final Four, right? Alabama, Alabama's never been to a Final Four. How, and I know Oklahoma somehow rolled them earlier a couple weeks ago, but they're 11-0 and in the SEC, a decent SEC. Or eleven and zero. Good SEC. Yeah, they're twenty-one and three overall. Who's stopping that guy? Okay, 
hey, Gibby, when we do loser Monday, whatever, whatever we decide to pick, I want him. Gibby, Gibby go ahead and put me down for that guy right now. Okay? Yeah. Whatever our contest pick, is. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Whatever our contest is, no matter when everybody picks, I want him. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I had I had no idea he was that good a player. I I, I really had no idea. So he is. I I said last night, I'll bet you, other than Castleton, the best Florida player, whoever you pick, would not make the nine man rotation at Alabama. Yeah. That's a, would that, they would they make the nine man rotation at I mean a yeah. lot of schools? Yeah. Well, I, again, they're not they're obviously not a terrible team. They obviously those guys do good things. They, they you can't be if if they win the next two which they might. If you're fifteen and eleven and eight and five, you're obviously not a terrible team. So they do some good stuff. But if you found out in the next hour that Colin Castleton right. had suffered good a season-ending well, injury, yeah, good would then, you pick Florida to win again this season? No, because I, I would not. No, I wouldn't. But they're, but they're not the only team in college basketball that if you lost your best player, you're in trouble. But I hear you. Maybe but, against Georgia because Mike yeah. White Thor is coach yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> but but I just but the point is in that game last night, a fifteen and eleven or they're not there yet, but they're a thirteen and eleven, six and five team. I wouldn't. I mean, do you you. I mean. You watched more of the game than Hayes. I watched almost all the game. Was there another player? On, who's the second-best player? Who is it right now? They don't have a second-best yeah, player. But, but if you had to pick a guy. Chris Richard. Yeah. <laughs> because he's the SEC legend yeah, for this year. Who would you pick? I honestly would take Kugel. Yeah, I might too. Because he's coming on a little yeah. bit. He's coming on a he little bit. He has higher ceiling. You know what I would too? I would. Now do you say that I would too? I was going to say Will Richard. Right. But actually, I would, I, but now other, he's Chris Richard's <laughs> good young brother. But but I think actually Kugel's probably the guy. But I just, but I, but I just, golly. Because what, what, they don't have a, a game-changing guard. If yeah. Florida had a, a really good guard, I think we would be having completely different conversations. Like Alabama would still have beaten I, Florida. Don't get me I'm wrong. I'm watching this game last night. And again, last time I'll say it, I, I'm guilty of not following college basketball closely, closely. I'm watching this guy, Brandon Miller, and I'm thinking, how did I not get the memo that Kevin Durant is back in college and playing for Alabama? Great, great, great. I mean, Jabari Smith was the 6'10 phenom at Auburn mm-hmm. last year. He couldn't hold a candle to this guy. Jamari, you saw Jabari Smith last year. He was, he was the same guy. He was the Auburn 6'10 yep. guy. Now this is the Alabama 6'9", 6'10". Jabari Smith wasn't a fraction of what this guy. This guy will be a really good pro. This guy, This guy – I'm still not sure Jabari Smith's going to be a really good pro for a long time. This guy is really, really good. What a good player. I just can't imagine being 6'9 and 200 pounds. But, boy, what a player. Sure, absolutely. God almighty, what a player this guy is. Let's take a break. Let's get into football. Super Bowl. Most important guys, most important players in this game that will not play quarterback. We'll talk about it after this. With this black man with black hair. Old Rock Thursday today is John Mellencamp. He's in town on Saturday night, and he will be uh, performing. Is it the Times Union Center? They still call it that? I think so. For performing arts, I believe. For performing arts, yeah. yeah, yeah, He'll he'll be here Saturday night, so so there you go. Big Mellencamp fan. The Super Bowl's on Sunday, for those that haven't heard. That's the day after Hayes, the uh, Mellencamp concert. It is? It is. All right. Four quarters? Four quarters. Take uh, take take. Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts off the ballot. Give me, in your mind, the top three, four most important players in the football game. I got a list. You got a list. Lauren, sure. You got a list. I think for Kansas City, it, Chris Jones has absolutely got to be the guy. Almost I mean, first of all of it, mean, isn't he? If, he? if he does not have an unbelievable game, 
it's, I think, really hard to see the Chiefs slowing Philadelphia down. Um, he's got to be great against the run. Uh, he can get the, the pass rush opportunities on Jalen Hurts. And, and so I think it, it's got to start with Chris Jones for Kansas City and then obviously Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey's just such – Travis is just such a unbelievable weapon for the Chiefs. He, he's basically been, uh, uh, you know, consistent throughout the year. A bad game for Kelsey is 60 yards and – uh, five or six catches, and and so obviously he has got to have a, a huge game for Kansas City. So those to me are the the two really obvious ones for Kansas City, and for Philadelphia, I think their group is deeper. Um, but I think I think you're going to see Reddick really give the Chiefs and Mahomes some trouble uh, w- with his ability to rush, and uh, and I think Brown and Devonta Smith are both going to have huge games. I think the Chiefs secondary is you know, very mediocre, uh, and I think Brown and Smith are going to uh, really have the opportunity to have big games if if Hurts can get him the ball, and he's been pretty good at that all year. So, uh, for me, those are the guys that the Super Bowl will pivot on. Lauren? I'll go. Since I don't want to double up on any of those. So yeah, because I, I, I would be I would be doubling up. Yeah, on absolutely. Those are all good. Uh, I'll say Pacheco for the Chiefs. Great, uh, Isaiah Pacheco especially because we know Mahomes is not going to be 100%. I think they're going to want to help him out a little bit offensively. And then also for the Chiefs, I'll say Marquez Valdez-Scantling because I think he might be the only receiver that they have that is 100% uh, out there. And then for the Eagles, the Eagles have not lost a game when they've rushed for over 100 yards, so I'll say Miles Sanders. So I'm going to take two running backs, which is funny because they're both passing teams. But certainly Miles Sanders, I think, is going to potentially have a big game. And then I'll go defensively for the Eagles, Gardner Johnson, because something tells me that he's going to be the guy that the Eagles look to to try and help cover, at least contain Travis Kelsey. All right, and, and you guys hit all it, – it, it's crazy for me to come up with more guys because you guys hit all the guys. I think, Hage, you probably hit the ones we all would have picked, and then, Lauren, you did a good job of other guys. Um, I do think Pacheco is, is a huge factor. He's really good. I mean, I, I remember when, when, they, when they drafted uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I thought that would be the, mm-hmm. the, the, final, the final piece to the puzzle. And the reality is the final piece to the puzzle is Pacheco. He's their best back. You know, when everybody's healthy, he's still their best back. So I think he's a big, big part of that. But Chris Jones, next to Patrick Mahomes, might be the best player in the game. He's really good. I mean, 15 and a half sacks in the regular year from an interior position, right? I mean, I, mean, I say that. He's, a, he's an end, but I mean, he's, a, he's certainly not, our, he's not an edge. From a non-edge position, I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I um and again we talked about basketball. You made a good analogy, Hayes. I said basketball you can't win anymore now if you can't make shots. Well, you're right. In in football you can't make, you can't win if you can't throw it. And the best way to to stop that is not covering anymore. <clears throat> covering it, you want to cover guys, but you got you got to move the quarterback. You got to affect the quarterback. So I I think that as well. Why do I get this hunch that you said my you said Pacheco and Sanders? Why do I get this hunch? somehow those guys are really going to factor into the game. And the one that factors in the most might win the game. As much as Goddard and Kelsey are going to catch passes and Mahomes and Hurts are going to throw for a lot of yards and Reddick and Jones are going to get a sack and all the stuff you expect to happen, why do I sense those running backs are going to be a big factor? They're both small and quick. They both had nice postseasons. I do get that sense. For me, the Chiefs' way is because Mahomes is not able to to – do exactly what he wants to do. But I think for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts and some of this team have never been in this type of spotlight before. So I think in order to, to slow the game down a little bit, they don't want to give the Chiefs a ton of possessions. They want to be able to, to kind of 
settle their nerves and also be able to not put everything on Jalen Hurts. I think Kenneth Gainwell, too, because he plays almost as much as – or has as much impact, but he doesn't play as much. Has impact plays like Sanders does. And McKinnon. And, McK- and McKinnon for the Chiefs. But, I, but I, 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 I'm telling you, Hayes, I think it's a game – when we look back on on Monday morning at, or Monday afternoon, whatever, big plays, honest to God, I think we're going to think, what about that 43-yard run by player X? I, I, I think it's that game. And I that th- could be one of the quarterbacks in theory. Yeah, but, I, but I'm talking about the running backs. I, th- I don't think one of the quarterbacks is going to have a 43-yard run. I do think there's a chance one of those running backs is going to have a 30, 40-yard run with that burst. I just, I just get this feeling something funky is going to happen, don't you? I, I mean, I, I think the Eagles going to run all yeah, over. Yeah, you, 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 you. What? Give me a score. Thirty-seven, twenty-three. Wow, wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, well, that's a reasonable blowout, though. You don't see it. Not, you're saying forty-five-three. You're saying no. You're saying by, by a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be and, TCUing it up there. <laughs> why, why, why do you, why do you think the Eagles handle them so easily? Why do you think that? Because they're going to maul them. I, they're they're going to too, too physical on both them. sides of the ball, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, to be honest, I think Philadelphia's got a really good, you know, weapons on the perimeter. I, well, they have I a good think, team, yeah. Yeah, I think they don't have a lot of holes, but I think particularly what they have on the offensive and defensive front is just going to overwhelm Kansas City. And I think the Chiefs have faced better competition in the postseason that's got them in a position where they're they're ready for that battle. Well, I like the Chiefs, too. But I don't like them. You don't like them big, do you? you no, like I, th- I think it's like a thirty-three to thirty. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's one of those fourth quarter. Who's got the ball? How many timeouts you got left? You're watching. You know that game. That I game. really hope the officials don't mess it up. By the way, we all do. We all <laughs> do. But I mean, I think it's that game, man. I think it's fourth quarter, four thirty-eight to play. The team behind is losing uh, thirty-four to twenty-eight, and they've got the ball and 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 the other in both. Here's here's when you know there's a game of significance when it's when it's a game you love when both teams are thinking about calling timeout. That's the game when one team is thinking about calling timeout because they've got this critical drive late, and the other team's thinking about calling timeout because if they do give up a touchdown, we've got to have some time left. It's that game. You think about that. All the football games you watch, most games. How many timeouts one team has left is not of significance. How many timeouts the other team has left is, unless it's a blowout, then it doesn't matter either way. I think it's that game. I, I think it's the game where both teams are watching close. How many timeouts have you got left? I mean, I, I, oof, I think it's, I think it's a, and, and my, because I said that, it's going to be forty-five-three. You know, because <laughs> right when you expect one to be great, I don't think it'll be that. But I really do think this. I, I really do think this is a. It's been it's been a great year in the NFL. You know, I mean, obviously it's been a great year for us. Because there's been a resurgence for our team that we haven't had in a long time, but it's been a great NFL season. It, it's been, you know, it it might have it lacked. Well, it didn't lack because Patrick Mahomes is that guy. I was going to say because there's not a Tom Brady or a Patrick or a Aaron Rodgers prominently featured, but there is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I would I would put this season. Let's say we get a 35-31 Super Bowl that's one late. I'd put this season down is one of the best NFL seasons we've had. In many, many years. They should feel fantastic about how this season went. I mean, the the league office should be thrilled at uh, it, it, the stars that are up and coming, uh, the game's in a, in a great place. If Brady and Rodgers are done, the quarterback position, in terms of elite stars, has certainly plenty. Uh, 
to to continue uh, electrifying matchups. And and again, I I mean I I think it's been a fantastic fantastic year for the NFL. People were really upset at Roger Goodell for not bashing the officials, the officiating yesterday. What's he going to do? What you think Roger Goodell is <laughs> going to get up there at the State of the Union uh, for the NFL and say our officiating has stunk all year? I mean, but that yeah, to right. me, good point. Th- that's not going to be something that uh, prohibits the league from looking at officiating uh, in the off season. And I do think that they hear it and they will get it fixed. They're just not going to publicly slam officials. You can't expect the commissioner of the NFL to do that. And uh, um, you know, so I, I think other than some suspect officiating, I think they've had uh, a fantastic year. I think there's so many stars, uh, not just at the quarterback position, but it's it's really been a fun year. There's been some great highlights, some great matchups. We've had unbelievable comebacks, uh, and we've had some teams that haven't had a lot of success recently, and certainly the Jaguars would be included in this, that have found their footing. I mean, it would not be. I mean, this would be a surprise, but it wouldn't be like the biggest surprise in sports history if next year's Super Bowl is the Jaguars and Lions. No one's going to pick that, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that it could happen. And, uh, I mean, those are obviously two teams that haven't had a lot of success. Detroit hasn't had a lot of success, you know, since the car was invented. Um, but uh, it, it'll be I – th- I think the league's in a fantastic, fantastic position going into 2023. And, by the way, the NFL got – Two number one seeds in the Super Bowl, too. They got to be yeah, pretty happy right. about that, yeah, right? That's, yeah, that's right. That, that means your marquee teams. I read a stat the other night. Both teams scored exactly 546 points to this point in the season. Yeah, and, and did you see that whole list of stats? Yeah. It's amazing yeah. how, 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 how similar those teams are. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got a lot more to talk about. Badness and basketball later on. But I want to talk about Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong out is an assistant coach on the uh, Miami football team. What does that mean? What does it mean for Charlie Strong? How do you remember Charlie Strong? That's next. Stay with us. It's your favorite, right? Yeah. I might go now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You like Mel Kim? I liked him a lot more before I saw him in concert. Yeah. Yeah, That that scarred you, didn't it? I wouldn't go that far, but it definitely soured me on him in concert. Yeah. He just, he was lackluster and lackadaisical, and now I'm good. And And like I've told you, him good good Mellencamp in concert which I've seen right it's pretty spectacular though when he's when he's up on stage in a big I mean again it was a, it's a cozy little setting so and, that, and that's what I'm wondering if this will be the same cozy setting try some new stuff I don't want I don't want Mellencamp cozy I want Mellencamp in a 20,000 seat arena rocking the damn place you know that that's what and that's what I've seen you know right. he's he's really good when he does that but he will be in town on Saturday night I think Pink Houses is my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a, a Cherry Bomb. Cherry Bomb is my favorite one. Charlie Strong is gone as the Miami coach. You ever look at Charlie Strong's resume? Oh, it's eclectic. <laughs> let me give you. Let me give you. He's been everywhere. Let me give you Charlie Strong. He's 62 years old. Grad assistant at Florida, 83-84. Then Texas A&M grad assistant. Wide receivers coach at Southern Illinois on the offensive side of the ball until Charlie Pell hired him back, or Galen Hall rather, to be outside linebackers coach at Florida. His second stint at Florida. In the late '80s, Ole Miss back to Florida under Charlie uh, under Steve Spurrier, his one, two, th- third stint at Florida, and then uh, and then associate head coach in '94 under Spurrier before he left for Notre Dame. Back at Florida for the fourth time in 0304 under Ron Zook and stayed there through 07. Uh, stayed with Urban Meyer. I guess that still counts as the same time, but he stayed mm-hmm. at Urban Meyer. Um, 
That's after going to Notre Dame, South Carolina, um, Ole Miss, Southern Illinois. Then he went from being, since he was Urban Meyer's right-hand guy, he got his first head job at Louisville and did a pretty good job at Louisville. He did. That was probably his best coaching job was at Louisville. Beat the Gators in the Sugar Bowl. Wore him mm-hmm. out, blew him out. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that got him the head job at Texas, and he wasn't very good there. Uh, three years at Texas, really struggled. Who has been. Yeah, correct. Got to South Florida, wasn't very good there. Three years, they really struggled. And then went to Alabama as an analyst because that's what you do when you want a job. You go uh, work under Nick Saban for a year. Urban brought him here in 21. That whole thing was a disaster. Went to Miami a year ago. That didn't go very well. So um, now he's uh, back. Is he is he going back to Alabama or is he just out? He's just out right now, right? For, as, of as, now, of now. as of now. As of now. Yeah, as of now. So, he's, so, so Charlie Strong as of right now. He'll have a job if he wants it. You would think. What do you think of Charlie Strong? I think he's fantastic. I think he's a great gator. For one, yeah, uh, and uh, I, I think that you know he's a he's an excellent football coach. He's a dynamic recruiter. Uh, you know, I I if if I was a college coach, I would be calling Charlie Strong. He is a, a massive addition to any staff, uh, and I think the world of him. Really good defensive coordinator, really good recruiter. Not necessarily a great head coach. And if, if you didn't know him, Frank, and I read off to you that resume, would you kind of wonder if he's such a good recruiter and such a good coordinator, why is he bouncing around that much? Why is he changing much? so yeah. much? Yeah, and, that, and that's really why I brought him. I really like Charlie. I mean, I right. personally really right. like Charlie. I know Charlie well, and I, and I really like him. Matt Hayes really knows Charlie well. He's very close with him. Charlie's, a, Charlie's as good a man as you'll ever have. And the reason he keeps getting jobs is he walks in the door, and he's respected by everybody. He's respected by other coaches. He's respected by coaches on the other side of the ball. He's respected by the old players, the young players, the boosters, the fans. If it's an NFL thing, he's a really respected guy. The reason he moves around a lot, I don't know that Charlie is a great X's and O's football coach. I don't know that he's not, but I don't know that that's his his strength. I think his strength is relationships. I think his strengths is, uh, strength are connecting people. Players trust him. I see – and in 62, 62 is really young today. I mean, back in the day, people retired at 62. Now there's Mac Brown and all these coaches coaching well into their 70s. So Charlie Strong's going to get back – Charlie Strong's going to get back into it. I almost see him in an administrative position. I almost see him – Charlie is more – see, even when you're a coordinator, you're not necessarily a position teacher. And I, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take the administrative route to be an assistant AD somewhere. He's that respected. He's that smart. And I and I and I don't I don't know that I see Charlie continuing the grind of where's the next assistant coach job. You know what I mean? I may be wrong about that, but I don't know that I see Charlie. He's got all the money he's ever going to need. He's been head coach a bunch of places. He's been high paid assistant a bunch of places. I mean, I don't know how Charlie spent his money, but my guess is it's not a money play for Charlie. I wouldn't think he just loves coaching and loves ball. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in an administrative role. Yeah, and see that would surprise me just based on the money that he's made in his. Uh in his career, because I would imagine that would be, uh, yeah, I mean, again, he's not going to be hired as an athletic director, so there's going to be a lot of grunt work that goes into that's right relationship work. Yeah, I mean, so I I think he, you know, if he wants to continue his career, I can't imagine. I, I would think of the it's just the 14 schools in the SEC. I can't imagine there wouldn't be five of them that would love to have him on staff. Uh, would and in all 14 should. Hi- should have a desire to have him on as an analyst, right, or somebody that can help uh, in the in the recruiting operation of things. So, 
you know, maybe I'm way too high no, no, no. on I, Charlie I, Strong stock, but I cannot imagine uh, if he wants to continue coaching. I can't imagine. I mean, oh, if oh, I was Florida State, I'd be on the phone with him right now for for a position. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Charlie Strong is, can get hired sooner rather than later. I just I just don't know that I see Charlie continuing the. I mean, the continuing the. The grind, maybe he will. And, and again, he has done the grind. He went to he went to the Alabama as an analyst to to coach again. That's what you do. He came to the Jags because Urban wanted. And and I can tell you, Charlie's the one that pushed Urban to do it. I mean, I, I can tell you, Charlie really was uh, very involved in getting Urban to come do it. Um, winds up in Miami for one year. I don't know. I I just don't know that I see Charlie. We look up and he is the outside linebackers coach at Auburn. Maybe maybe I'm wrong because that's what the history tells us. The problem with the being, being in administration is you can't recruit. And if that's one of your strengths, I don't know that you'd want to hire him in that role if one of the things he's really good at is connecting with players. I well, don't. What I don't know is nowadays with the evolution of social media and recruiting, is he staying on top of all that, whereas head coaches like maybe Mac Brown and Nick Saban don't necessarily have to get into that. Well, I'll say this. Great recruiters in large part are great recruiters because people like them. They connect with people. And if you're a great recruiter, you don't just connect with students. You connect with dads, coaches, handlers, agents, whatever they have nowadays. Moms. Moms. (laughs) I think Charlie is a guy. Again, if I'm an AD at School X, I bring in Charlie Strong. You give Charlie 30 minutes with a booster I'm trying to sign, he's going to get, in my opinion, he's going to land that guy as quickly as he's going to land the linebacker from Memphis. Now, to your point – that seems to be what he wants to do, right? I mean, the evidence is that's what he wants to do. I just, I see, I just don't know that I see Charlie. I don't know that I look up and see Charlie is the, is the defensive ends coach at Kansas State. I, I, I don't, I don't. And you're thinking is his success is in the Southeast. That's where he'll land. But I didn't, and I may be wrong. I mean, I, I could. He's never been at Florida State, right? He's been at Florida, no. Miami, South Florida. Yeah. So. Got to hit Florida State before I mean, he's done. Look, I, I, Randy Shannon's been in all three. Yeah. yeah. You know, Randy I, I'd love for Florida to – I didn't mean to sure. exclude Florida. No, 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 I hear you. I just meant that, you know, if, if you're Florida State and you're having maybe a little bit of difficulty, yeah. the only maybe potential weakness right now that you've got is the high school recruiting component. Right. Why would you not want to add somebody like Charlie Strong to your staff? But, look, if I was Billy Napier – I'd, I'd love to see Charlie Strong finish his career at Florida. I would in love some capacity. the Gator logo to be the last logo Charlie yeah. Strong wears in his career. And Charlie is a really good guy, really respected, really liked, really appreciated. And, again, he'll have, a chance. He'll, he'll, he'll have the chance to do what he wants to do here. I, I just, I just, I'll be interested to see where that is. And you're right. Common sense says coaching in the Southeast. That, that, common sense says coaching in a school of prominence whether it's Georgia, Alabama, Florida, uh, LSU, FSU, uh, Clemson, that's where he's landed, isn't it? I mean, if you if you look, other than his NFL job and other than the one stop at South Florida, because that was a head coach, he's been a prominent. I mean, he's had four stops at Florida. He, he's been a, he's been on the Florida staff four times. So we'll see, see what happens. I like Charlie. I've, I've always been a fan of Charlie's. I was, I loved uh, what he did at Louisville. I thought he'd be great at Texas. When it didn't work out at Texas. I did think he would crush it at South. South Florida couldn't wait to hire him, and why would you, you know? And so I was surprised it didn't work out at South Florida. It hadn't worked out for anybody since then either, by the way. That's the thing. It's just, you know, some of these programs, it's it's not just one guy that's failed. I mean, South Florida should be much better in football than what they have been. Do you think UCF has kind of stolen what South Florida I think there's room have? enough for 
UCF and, and USF to be good together at the same time. I, you know, there's so many prospects in the state and, uh, you know, and, and in the, and in the region, I just, and you're in Tampa. I mean, I just, yeah. I don't understand why USF has, has only really had that one right. year where they got up to like number two in the poll and, and haven't really been heard yeah. from since. And, and the story is that Charlie left because he wanted to be the defensive coordinator. That when Steele left, uh, Charlie wanted to be popped in there, and instead Mario Cristobal went and hired Lance Gidry from another school. Was it Tulane, I think it was? Mm-hmm. And then in and and snubbing Charlie, and then Charlie, because he didn't get the gig, wound up leaving. So, so, maybe so Tulane he, lost both its coordinators. Yeah, he had a, right? yeah, yeah. So, and, and after a year Good like for that, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so apparently that's the story. <laughs> so, so we'll see what winds up happening. I just, I just don't know the. Again, one more. If he left because he didn't want to be the linebackers coach at Miami anymore, is he going to go be the linebackers coach at School X? I guess that's my point. Well, from everything I understand, working for Mario Cristobal is not a walk in the park, and so maybe he just, you know, butted heads and wants to instead work for a coach that is easier to work with. Yeah, could, could be. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes guys get together and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Regardless of whose fault it is. Sure. Sometimes two guys, sometimes guys working together doesn't always work out. That's just the way it is. So we'll take a break. We come back. I'm going to talk a little spring training baseball, sort of. Stay with us. I bet a lot of Mellon Campus played at spring training games. We think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would fit. But it fit baseball. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would fit. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, I'm Lauren Brooks. We're live here at UNF Arena ahead of North Florida playing host to Florida Gulf Coast. Andrew Gibson back at 1010XL headquarters spinning the hits. So, Frank, how do you enjoy spring training? Yeah, I think the, where I want to go with the topic is what is it? What I mean, do you go? You don't go very often. You, 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 I've been, but I don't been, go very you've often. You've been. Hayes, it's not because you're not a big baseball fan, but you, but you like when you go. I mean, you, yeah, spring, it's spring, fun. Gibby, you go every year, right? I do. I've, I've been living here since 2014, and I've gone every year. So when you go, give me, take me through. You're heading down to uh, wherever they they are, in West Palm or where is it called? What's it North called? Northport. It's out? basically Sarasota. Oh, it's, oh it's, that's right. It's on the west coast now. Yeah. Okay. So you're heading to North. You're getting in the car. Mm-hmm. You're, he- you're getting up early. You're having you're having blueberry pancakes, <laughs> um, uh, maybe some bacon. You have that real crisp bacon. And you get in the car and you head. You're going down uh, to I four, cutting over on I four, right? You're heading over to I four. You're getting then you're going. So what, what's a what's a spring training day like for you? So for me, yeah, like like example, you get up early, you you get breakfast, whatever you might get. I'm, I'm probably a scrambled eggs, bacon, okay, good, good, orange good. juice kind of guy. But uh, love it. That's yeah, a great so start for a baseball day, exactly. So I get up super early because I can't wait. I'm so excited to to get out there. And you know, for me, spring training is like you can't have a bad day at spring training. It's like everybody's in a good mood. You, there's just nothing that's going to spoil it because. The weather is most of the time beautiful. Sometimes it rains, but for the most part, the weather's gorgeous down here in Florida. So I go to usually a, a 105 game. Sometimes right. I'll hit two in a day. I'll go 105, and if there's one at seven, I'll, I'll stay around for that. Uh, our what time do you get there? What time do you get into that 105? What time are you getting, probably, what time are you getting going in? Uh, probably 1130, 12, okay. like maybe an hour Gate, and a half before the game. Gates open, gates open 1130. You walking in at 1130? Absolutely, yeah. You're going, to go, you're, going, you're going down by the bullpen? You're going to watch people? What are you going to do? So yeah, I would go down to the bullpen and watch the guys take, um, you know, take their warm up tosses, get stretched out. I remember maybe last year, a couple of years ago, things kind of run together because the COVID year was was so crazy and all that. But there was one year I went down to Port Charlotte. The Yankees were playing the the Rays because that's where the Rays train. And there was a, I was trying to get into uh, the gates open, you know, hour and a half before the game or whatever it was. There was an older guy who's a Yankees fan who couldn't figure out his mobile ticket. 
He could not yeah. figure it out. He, he looked at me, and of course, I don't work there, but I, I'm pretty good with technology. And so he asked me if I could help him figure out the mobile ticket. They just could not, he could not figure it out. And so I figured it out for him, uh, said, have a great day. He asked for my name and my address. And I'm like, well, this is kind of interesting. I, I don't yeah. re- really give strangers my information. Right. But I was like, why don't you email me and just email yeah. me whatever you want. And so he, Yankees fan, diehard guy from New York, sent me like a bunch of Mickey Mantle collectible stuff awesome. for helping awesome. him with his ticket yeah. at spring training. Right. And I, I'll never forget that. And that was awesome. a spring training moment that happened like two years ago. So what I'll do is a great story, by the way, and good for that. Good for you for helping him, and good for him. By the way, mobile ticketing is not a good idea at spring training games. Can I tell you why? Why? Do you know why? I'm going to go out on a limb that most people are like the median age might be kind of <laughs> they're retire <laughs> yeah, people. Okay, I used to think that the that old people went to spring training games <laughs> until I became an old person. Now I think cool, neat people go. Okay, but but that so that's what it is. So when I go, I'll get up. I'll get, I'm always there when the gates open, because if you go to a spring training game, you you nobody's guarded. You know you know in the world of sports everybody's guarded, right? You're guarded. You can't see this. I might stay next time autograph now. I got you know, to be yeah, this is blocked off. You get, nothing's guarded at a spring training. They want you to walk out. I'm, I'm surprised they don't ask you to throw BP. You know what I mean? They, spring training game. They want you around. You, you we've been on the spring training trip mm-hmm. on the radio before. We remember sit down there by the bullpen and just watch them. We're staying right near the bullpen while they're warming up. You know, so so I always do that. We saw John Carlo taking BP. Remember that? Yeah. Spring training. Yeah. So you just sit right behind and him. Aaron and, Judge. Yeah, you know, which is great. So. I, but here's the beauty of spring training for me, and Gibby, you may be different. And the beauty of spring training and kind of baseball is, is it doesn't always matter if you – spring training doesn't ever matter if you win. It doesn't matter if you stay. You know, spring training a lot of times, I'll do, I'll do this. I'll go – I'll stay till about fifth or sixth inning because then the, play, the, start, the players, the starters, the stars, they're done. So they're going to play golf. So they, they do leave. they leave before the game's they over? Leave the, oh, absolutely. absolutely. They leave the dugout. They, they leave the dugout. And they get their bag, their bag, and they start heading down toward the clubhouse. Uh, every, every team. So about fifth or sixth inning. Now the pitchers may stay and run some poles, but for the most part, the guys will leave. And so the poor pitchers. If you're strategic, and if you're a fanboy, not that I'm either, but if you're a strategic fanboy, you know where they go, and they hang out, and then they start an autographs. You can talk to them. I mean, it's the coolest thing in the world. So. Spring training is almost better than a regular season game, and we are so lucky to have it. I mean, you got to be a baseball fan. Anyone here that's done a baseball fan could give a damn anything I'm saying right now, and I get that. I, but I if, think non-baseball fans would enjoy spring training because I mean, you don't have to lock into the game of baseball. There's weather. There's palm trees. The only bad thing, not the bad thing, but the only thing I don't love is everything's moved up so much now. Baseball used to start the second week of April, Okay. Then it was the, the first week of the end of the first week of April. Then it was the beginning of the first week of April. Now I think opening day is March twenty eighth or something. March thirtieth. Like right? March. So now spring training starts in February. Well, it's not. I want spring training to be eighty degrees. Yeah, I want to wear. I want to wear a t shirt and shorts to spring training games, and they're colder now than they were. But I. Uh, but I mean, it's it's almost it's hard to explain what it is. It's a. It's not a festival. Because there's there's not a bunch of stuff going on. The good teams that they pack, they they pack it. But you walk in, and you don't you don't need a good seat, Hayes. You don't need a good seat for a spring training game. No, I want to sit in the outfield. Absolutely. I mean, sit in the outfield on the berm. And it, 
Yeah, love the berm. Brooks, you're a berm person. I am. Love the berm. I like to stretch out and get some sun. But I wonder if people – I mean, I think spring training is just a great – I'm going to go down to a handful of games this year. I think spring training is one of the cool things that we get to do and probably don't talk about enough. And you've got to be a baseball guy. You say not all baseball people, but if you're not a baseball person, you're probably not driving down to it. If you live there, it's one thing. But you're probably not driving down. Well, it used to be in Orlando, so that you could have gone, done Disney for a day. Right. And then you could do a spring training game. Dude, I'm so glad the Braves a- moved from Disney, though. It was too corporate for me. Yeah, uh, because because Northport is not at all that way. It's it's a sort of like a almost feels like a small town type thing. It's Northport's grown incredibly. I'll give you another real quick story about spring training. A couple of years ago, I interviewed Todd Frazier. Do you remember this, Frank? So I went down when he played for the Mets, sitting in the dugout, and I asked him, "What do you do after a spring training game?" And he said, "Well, for example, today I'm just you know going to go get lunch, and then I'm going to go get my." Um, get my cars. And I'm like, get your cars? You got multiple cars here? And he said, I'm having three cars shipped to me today. I, oh. that, that was a totally different world. That's, that's like professional <laughs> athlete real. world that I don't know about. He had three cars being shipped to him yeah. on, a, on a big truck, and that was, that was weird. I love it. That I was cool. It. it is weird. It is, it is very cool. The, I, the, I was just quickly going to say, you know, from our experience going uh, when we did the Frangie show from there, I uh, – it's one of the few places still left that it feels like when you walk in to the facility, you've gone back in time 40 years. Yes, you have. Like the, the friendliness and just and, – and to your point, no, nobody – I mean, you know, there's, there's, mo- there's moments of anxiety you might have just going to the movie theater. Right. Seeing, I mean, it, but spring training just feels like, you know, it's, it's something that you walk in and you, you literally could be in like – I mean, the clothes are modern, yeah. but you could be in like 1960. You you said it. You said it in about 40 seconds better than I said it in five minutes. It's everybody's happy. Every nobody's in a bad mood. Nobody cares about anything. The ushers can't wait to see you because the ushers, by the way, are also old, and this is the only month they work. You know, so that, that, that's their month. That's their month to see people in the greet. And I not true. They may work for the minor league team that plays there. But you know my point. They they may. They're happy to see you and everybody. And it doesn't matter who wins or who gives up a home run. That's the thing. The only other thing, the only other fan experience I can talk about where it really doesn't matter who's winning or losing is, is golf tournaments. If we go to the players, my experience at the players is going to be good no matter who wins or loses, right? I mean, I mean, I may have someone I'm rooting for, but I'm going to enjoy the experience. Unless spring, it's loser Monday yeah. and your <laughs> golfer is not there playing is that. well. But, I mean, I think spring training, Hayes, you said it best. It's back in time. When you went to when you went to the in the thirties when they went to the drugstore to get the milkshake and everybody was smiling at everybody and, and that's kind of what it is. It's if you if you all if you ever watched a movie in the twenties and thirties they went to the drugstore to get the milkshake and everybody's in a good mood and they're going to the five and dime which is a great phrase and nobody ever says five and dime anymore but my mom always said five and dime. So if you did that, that's what that's what a spring training game is and there's a charm to it and it's hard to explain to someone who hasn't done it. It's just hard. It's just. It's, it, it's just hard to explain, and, uh, and, and I love it, and I'll sit there. Uh, my buddy Greg Brown is the, is the play-by-play voice of the Pirates, and he'll always text me. He'll go, you, give me, I'll get you a good seat. I'll get you right behind the I say, I, I don't need to be behind the dish. I'll be in the outfield. I'll be along the right field line with my sausage dog and mustard, my icy light. And, you know, it's just, a, it's just a different kind of And the of orange world. swirl. And the orange swirl. Well done. You have a very good memory. That's a, that's a Pittsburgh. That's a, that's a Bradenton thing. So, but I, I just wonder, do people go? Do people appreciate it? Do people go to ball games? Um, baseball is different. Mike Martin, um, the the former Florida State baseball coach, said it. Which be- one? Yeah, well, <laughs> senior. 
Mike Martin Sr., the former Florida State baseball coach, said it better than anybody ever said. He says, baseball's better because you can talk to your wife. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we asked him, really? He says, yeah. He says, baseball's better because you can talk to your wife. You sit in the stands. You have a hot dog. You have a beer if you're one to partake. And you talk to your wife. Let me tell you this. On third and four, I ain't talking to my wife. <laughs> and that's the charm of baseball. And it really is. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to go down. I can't wait to go. I know Gibby's goes down. I know baseball fans go down. But I'm not going down just to lock and see if the backup shortstop is going to make the 25-man the roster. It's not that. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not that. I'll, I'll, read, I'll, I'll go online to figure all that out. That day I'm at the park, it's to hear the crack of the bat, and it's to have a pretzel, and it's to sit in the stands and to walk all the way around it and have the usher tell me how glad he is to see me. And it's, one, it's honest to God one of the coolest things ever. So, What's the TV show that I'm trying to think of? I think it was in black and white, and it was just about wholesome small town. Leave it to Beaver? Leave it to Beaver is, is what initially came sure. to mind for me. So, yeah, that's what I think of when I think of going to spring training. And I promise you, Warden June went to the dang five and dime to have a milkshake. <laughs> there, there, I prob- I, there, there's no doubting that. There's no doubting it. Let's get back to football. We'll take a break. One hour to go. We're live here at UNF. We'll talk a little bit more about this uh, terrific UNF basketball team that's playing well of late and is trying to make that conference tournament. They play Gulf Coast here tonight. We're glad to be here at the UNF Arena. Back in a moment, this is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. John Mellencamp in town on Saturday night. Playing in the uh, Performance Center downtown. So it's an old rock Thursday with John Mellencamp. You could say I never need really an excuse to play Mellencamp on Old Rock Thursday. He might be the leading Old Rock Thursday guy, by the way. Yeah, I think so. He probably is. He probably is. I think this is at least 24th appearance. <laughs> Since you've been here. Yeah. Okay. So, and it started probably six uh, yeah, years before I mean, you. But yes. it, I mean, nothing sums it up better That's than exactly Mellencamp. Right. He so. is Old Rock Thursday. He is Old Rock Thursday as they get. One hour to go in the program. We're live from UNF, from the University of North Florida's uh, beautifully refurbished uh, arena here. The floor is spectacular. We're in this hospitality area that they rebuilt. Um, and we certainly appreciate uh, our, our friends at UNF having us out. Tonight, UNF plays Florida Gulf Coast in a very important game now. Again, they lost to Gulf Coast a few weeks ago. They're playing a little better right now, and it's a big win for them as they try and get to the postseason, at least get to the postseason. You, you want to get to the conference tournament because in a, in a conference this size, that's your play-in game. The, the truth is there's no at-large bids in the A-Sun. If an A-Sun team is going to get, at least with the 68-team field, that could change, I guess, if you get to a 96-er. But for a while, it's at a 68-team field. With a 68-team field, uh, the bottom line is you got to get to your conference tournament. you got to win your conference tournament. You don't get to the NCAA. It's yeah, it's big. a one-bid league. Yeah, it's a one-bid yeah, league. For and, now. I mean, now there, could that eventually change? Maybe. But for this year, one team from the A-Suns going. And the one, that's right. I and say that. I mean, I guess there's a but, chance but, if Liberty didn't win the tournament. Their net's pretty good. They're in the 40s. I still don't think they'd get in. I don't either. But and they're probably going to win the tournament. But but yes, it's uh, you got to get in and you got to win it to get to the NCAA tournament. So that's so that's why we're here and we're we're glad to be here. Uh, we've been now to JU once, to UNF once, and we'll be at both schools again before the end of the season. Um, uh, Super Bowl comes up. I'll, I'll kind of talk about the importance of the game. If Kansas City wins the game, is the dynasty off and running? Is it already a dynasty? Do they have to win a second one? I mean, they, they go to the AFC Championship game every year. But they've only won one Super Bowl. Do they have to win another one for, for the dynasty to be 
up and running? Absolutely. I always think when you talk dynasty, it, 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 the conversation can't start until you've got multiple championships, whether that's national championships or Super Bowl championships. So, yeah, I think for the Chiefs, if they win Sunday, they're absolutely a dynasty and, and they're, they're off and running. And, you know, Mahomes will have two. And it does make you wonder with him just being 27, how many can he get in his career? Can he get to five? You know, can he get maybe even beyond that? Um, as, as remarkable an achievement as that would be, uh, they, they absolutely will be a dynasty. And, and you know, what's going to be interesting with the Chiefs is how long does Andy Reid uh, go for? I think he's getting ready to turn 65. Um, and uh, but, but he's if he can go another five or six years – he has a chance to catch Belichick in terms of playoff wins, which is just unthinkable. You would, I mean, you would have thought Belichick's like 31 is a record that we'll never see touched. But because Reed was so consistent in Philadelphia and has been so dominant in Kansas City, he's only like 10 back. Now, that's a lot. That's like three or four years. But I don't know if Belichick's going to get another playoff victory, period, before he retires. And uh, if Reed can, I mean, if Reed does it another five years with Patrick Mahomes, it stands to reason he's going to get 10 or 11 or maybe more. It feels like a dynasty already to me because, like you said, they're so consistently in the AFC Championship game. And we all expect Patrick Mahomes to get at least one, if not multiple Super Bowls from here. Andy Reed, I think he's a fantastic coach, but it kind of feels like no matter who's coaching Mahomes, they're going to be successful. Second part of the question. If Kansas City wins, how far up the echelon of great all-time coaches or how the, the list of great all-time coaches does Andy Reid go? He'll have two titles. Now they're both with the same team. And there's the long list of coaches with two rings. There's, what, probably 10, 15 of them. Mm-hmm. But he's now one of them. I think he's top 10. The top 10 yeah, or top I mean, 10 think, of all I time? I think he'd be in the top 10. And, you know, he, again, he's got a lot of regular season wins. Um, he'd have two championships with the Chiefs he got to a Super Bowl with Philadelphia so uh and in terms of conference title games what's he gone to like eight or nine now because he went to a bunch with the Eagles um so I yeah I I think if Andy Reid gets a second ring he's a top 10 coach in league history yeah I totally agree if the Eagles win does everyone brush off Jalen Hurts now granted if he has a monster day that's one thing but overall it feels like everyone's talking about yes the Eagles run game but definitely the Eagles defense well a lot of it depends on what happens in the game sure. and, and how he affects the game. You know, the and I just looked this up. I didn't know this. You know the youngest quarterback to win a Super Bowl was? Did you know this already? Nope. I would have guessed Mahomes. Uh, I would have guessed it. Ben Roethlisberger, uh. 23 years, 11 months, 3 days. But if you remember, he didn't have much to do with it. Right. Yeah, he, 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 he was a, a bit play. Now, he had something to do with getting him there, mm-hmm. but he was – he was game manager when mm-hmm. they won the first, when they won the, his first. He won two when he won his first Super Bowl. He was game manager guy, and so, but if you win one, but Hurts is only twenty four, so he wouldn't be the youngest, but he'd be am- but he'd be among the youngest if he wins if he wins the Super Bowl at twenty four years old. I, I think this too, Lauren. Wait, I, so Trevor can't be the youngest ever? Dang no, he, it! No, he he would have to do it this year. Yeah, he would have to do it. And, and by the way, if they'd have got her this year, he'd have been the youngest. If 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 the uh, if, if, the, if the Jaguars had gotten to the Super Bowl and won it this year, Trevor Lawrence would have been the youngest player, in, the youngest quarterback in the history of the league to ever win the Super Bowl. By the way, I'm watching Jose Placier. Yeah. He's making everything. Do you, do you, were, you, were, you, were you guys on the show? I'll get back to the Super Bowl in a minute. Were you guys on the show when we saw Parker Smith warm up? Might have been me and Baloo. Might have been me and 
Were you on the show? I don't remember that. Parker Smith, the the, 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 the first great three-point shooter they had here. We were what th- year would this have been? 20? It, well, it was before Dallas Moore and all those guys. Yeah, so neither of us were on the show. So so we sat there and did the show at, at, uh, at Press Row. Mm-hmm. I guess it was Baloo. I'm trying to remember who I was with. Yeah, it would have been Baloo because I worked here during the Dallas Moore time at UNF. So this would have been before that. Yeah. I'm telling you, Parker Smith, the dead-eyed the, the dead shooter, we watched him make 19, just warm it up, run around, warm it up, 19 straight threes, and I'm not making this up, 19 straight threes where in every one of those the ball never hit the rim. I mean, lit- literally made 19 in a row, and the, the, and the ball and the ball never never hit the rim. I mean, it, it was. Well, not far off. Yeah, no, he's not. We're watching him shoot those. So, but back to bit back to it again. I think this about Jalen Hurts. If if they win, you know, there's all the to do about the team that wins. But often the team. I mean, I don't think anybody thought Nick Foles was going to keep winning them. They weren't even sure he was going to be the quarterback moving forward in Philadelphia. I think a lot of times, got Tom Brady win. We know we know his his career is coming to an end. Um, I don't think anybody Some expected. Some of us think that. Yeah, well, yeah, good point. <laughs> I don't think anybody thought Matt Stafford's going on a Super Bowl run last year. No. I think people thought that was kind of the crowning achievement of his career. But I don't think anybody thought he was going on some sort of a run they did with Mahomes. If Jalen Hurts wins this at, at 24 years old, to your question, Lauren, I think he all of a sudden is recognized as, oh, boy, how far is this? How, how many is he going to win? Yeah, yeah, I think that's funny, though. Nobody says that about the Eagles. Nobody says how many are they going to win if they win this one. The Chiefs, we are saying it. Maybe it's because they already have one, right? But don't you think if, if the Eagles win this thing, I think Jalen Hurts is a lot of people are talking about where is it headed with him. The Eagles, if they win Sunday, have a chance to be right there in the dynasty conversation because they own the next two drafts. Own them. and yeah. uh, I think they picked 10. And they're already fantastic. So they're, they've got, over the next, I think, two years, uh, they've got like eight picks in the first or second round. I mean, it is ridiculous, the uh, talent that they're going to have joining them. And obviously they already have a, an elite core. So if Philadelphia wins Sunday, absolutely. It, you could see Philadelphia at least go to the Super Bowl, I think, three more times in the next four years, something like that. And it's crazy because I'm trying to go through it in my head. Russell Wilson was drafted after Jalen Hurts. Is there any other starting quarterback in the league that would have been drafted? And Tom Brady being retired. You drafted, mean dra- drafted lower. Lower than in the second round, 57th pick. Dak. Um, oh, yeah, okay. It's Because it's very rare nowadays. Most of the starting quarterbacks are obviously in the top you mean, 10. You mean, you mean the guys right now? Cousins the thir- the thir- was drafted after that. Of the 32, yeah, okay. But you know what? Neither one of those are young guys, to your point. The young guys, the yeah, young starting Jack quarterbacks. Jack is, I guess, the closest. But if, you look, but, but if you look at the young, young guys, jo- Josh Allen and, and Tua and Trevor, and that's a good point. Will we get to a day where all 32 teams have a top 10 pick playing quarterback? Will it ever, will it ever be 32? Probably not. Yeah. No, I mean, you got There'll be an outlier. There'll always be the Brock Purdy and, right. you know, the guy that you didn't see coming. Yeah, yeah. Brock Purdy, if he starts next year, he's certainly the clear – Winner as far as this conversation. But it, but it, but again, here's the other thing about Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy winds up becoming a, a, a Super Bowl winning quarterback or a very good quarterback, he def- he breaks the mold in a lot of ways. Number one, he's he's not high draft pick guy. He's also not big arm guy. He's also not athletic guy. 
you know, I mean, he's he he really is old school Bob Greasy, Joe Montana, you know, little little guy with an average arm. You know, I mean, he, he's which pro- is not at all who they drafted in Trey Lance. No, Trey no. Lance is the opposite. Just the opposite. Of that. Just yeah. the opposite. Big arm, big arm, fast guy. I, right. I, I'm interested to see that. One other thought about this game. I want to get to some other stuff. But one other thought about this game. Do you care? Is there any part of you? Who are you rooting for, by the way? The Chiefs, because the Chiefs knocked the Jaguars out. You're, who are you rooting for? The Chiefs. Okay, I'm rooting for the Chiefs too. But is there for the, all the same reasons? They're the AFC team. AFC, my my team's sure. in the AFC. Yeah. Um, is there any part of you though that wants to see Gardner Minshew get a ring, or because he's not playing in the game, it doesn't matter? To me, yeah. If you're not playing, getting a ring is ancillary. What about you? I don't care if he gets one. I mean, yeah. it's just a simple answer. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't fall into the Gardner Minshew is a local hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I to me, you. Gardner Minshew was a nice story yeah. and, and very commendable, you sure. know, what he's done. I'm right there with you. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's fine if he wins one. But it's not anything that's going to, you know, I'm no. not buying T-shirts yeah. if, you know. <laughs> With his face yeah. in the ring. If there's a, if there's a, if there's a Gardner Minshew celebration party, you're not going? Yeah. I am. Uh, will you wear jean shorts in honor I of I will. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, he wears those anyway, <laughs> yeah. okay? I think what Lauren's saying is will you continue to wear your shorts yeah. like you that's do a, now? Yeah, sorry. Uh, the, um, I phrased it wrong. You know, I feel differently. I, I, I'm not, oh, my God, I hope they win so Gardner gets a ring. Because he's not going to play in the game, likely. Assuming, but, yeah. But I think it'd be cool. I think he's a, I think he's a good guy. I, I think he's a – not because of the mania. That's your point, Hayes. You're not, you're not, the mania doesn't make him a Jacksonville guy is your point, I think. The mania happened while he was here, right? The mania didn't happen in when he was in Washington State. The mania didn't ha- – the mania happened while he was here. I mean, he might have worn aviators and headbands and in George at Washington State, but nobody really knew. I mean, the nation didn't know. There was no mania. The mania happened while he was here. So anything that, that connects something that happened here to something happening, yeah, I like that. I, I mean, again, I'm not all caught up in it, to your point, but I think it would be pretty cool. I, I, I'm okay with that. And I still find myself curious on what where he lands. Does if he, they had won, by the way, with Minshew at the helm, then I think I maybe would feel a little differently, but the yeah. Eagles lost when and, he started. Yeah, and if he was playing. If he was playing in the game. Yeah. yeah. I will tell you this. If he was playing in the game, I would root for him. I'd root for him. If he was, if if Jalen Hurts had gotten hurt, and so this was going to be Gardner Minshew quarterbacking the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City, I'd root for him. Again, I wouldn't. He be, would lose, but I would. Yeah, I wouldn't pull be for him, right. Sure. I wouldn't be all caught up in it, but I would. By the way, both backup quarterbacks are former Jaguars. That's right. I, mm-hmm. I'm giving you that free of charge, Carl. And okay? you know, don't you know if you're Philadelphia. Don't pin Chad any of the <laughs> two. <laughs> Out of the two. Cause he, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, you Because know, he'll go 98 yeah. on your ass, won't he? He ain't right, afraid. He <laughs> oh, I'm true. angry all over again. We'll take a break. More in a moment. Live from UNF. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. John Mellencamp in town this week. That's why he is Old Rock Thursday today. Frank Frangie hates Carlisle. Lauren Brooks with you. By the way, Moran Theater at Jacksonville for the Performing Arts. Is that what it is? That's the name okay. of the place. Well, thank you very much. And mm-hmm. that's, that is where he will be. And uh, coming up on Saturday night. So we are here at the uh, UNF Arena, the beautifully refurbished with a gorgeous new floor that is taupe, no matter what Lauren Brooks <laughs> and Matthew Driscoll say. It's a taupe. It's taupe. It's what color it is. It's taupe. It's ash. It's, 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 we learned it's ash. Well, I you said, said gray. You said gray. And you said gray. You got it wrong. And Matthew Driscoll doubled down on you wrong. <laughs> but it, there's, there's gray around the logo. If it, You can't have gray on gray. That's solid gray. This is like a heathered gray. It's taupe. Heathered gray yeah. and go. taupe. Here's the problem I got, okay? 
Brooks is wrong. Wow. And Carline doesn't know what taupe is. That's what, no. I'm, that's what I'm having to deal with. Every, like, soft T-shirt you have that's gray, Hayes, is a heather gray. Okay. It's not a solid gray. It's a heather gray. You, you know, you know the kind of little clouded gray? I know nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the clouded gray is, is called heather gray. What time tomorrow? He really does know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm that's what I'm leading that into. Out, yeah. What time tomorrow are we doing Loser Monday? So I know uh, in preparation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Four o'clock hour, you think? Four o'clock hour? That's what I told Norway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know what? We are big in Oslo. I've always said that. So, uh, uh, so there you go. Five, seven prop bets. I don't remember what they are, but I've got them written down. So I'm glad you wrote them down. I probably should have. I did not. So seven prop bets, and uh, and we'll have a, somebody wear the hat next week, which is very exciting stuff. I'll have you handle the coin toss. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I will. I will toss the hell out of that coin. Um, so uh, and the rules. And the rules. <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I'm pretty much just going to stay out of Right, right, right. Yeah, you, I tell you what. You do the rules. I'll count. Okay. You be the rules guy. I'll be the count guy. Um, In case people missed it, we, we had a yeah. lengthy discussion about the rules the other day. It, I mean, I, I kept getting I kept getting these texts, and people were saying, "Tell him four plus three <laughs> equals seven. I said, "I'm trying to yeah. tell him. He doesn't. He can't get there. Sometimes a guy can't get there. He, he can't get there. He can't get there. He can't get there. Um, we're watching guys by the way take, shooting hoops as we get set for UNF uh, Florida Gulf Coast, which comes up tonight. Was there anything better growing up than playing basketball? I mean, was basketball the most fun sandlot awesome. sport? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It was I mean, it was it, of all of them. It was the most. I mean, going and shooting hoops, playing. It was about, wasn't it the best. Awesome. I mean, did you ever shoot hoops as a kid? I did. We had a basketball hoop in the driveway, right. but I preferred to play volleyball. Right. With, with my brother, we played in the driveway. I preferred volleyball over basketball because I was better at it. Okay. I've never been a good shooter. So, so you didn't like like playing like growing up shooting hoops that wasn't your thing. I enjoyed playing. It was really good exercise. Yeah. I just was never good at shooting. Yeah, yeah. But but you most kids whether they were most kids growing up. Um, at least when I was growing up, whether you were good at it or not, people, people love going to shooting hoops. We, we, what is now San Susi Baseball Park, which was called Fletcher Morgan Park before, at Hogan Spring Glen Elementary, where those basketball goals are, if I had a dime for every time we went up there when I was growing up, you'd, you'd ride your bike up there and we'd shoot. And back then, um, you know, the world changed. I mean, the world has changed since in, when I was in the, in the 1960s and then early 70s when I was a kid. But... You'd ride your bike up there and shoot till nine or ten o'clock at night. Then you'd walk home or ride your bike home. You know, it was a. Uh, it was always fun. Like if you pulled up to one of your favorite places, and there was like new kids that yeah. like you didn't know, and you know, you start, you got your friends, you start playing with them, and you know, meet new buddies and see who can play and who can. It was. It, I loved it. And basketball set up well for going and having a pickup game. Football never set up well for you. Could yeah. do it, but you had to have the right amount of guys and you need to tackle. I mean, I, I'm old enough that we played tackle without pads. Did you do that? Oh, yeah. Which is so stupid. Yeah. You know, in, in retrospect, how dumb was it? We all did it. But you weren't sure how and how many guys there were. And, and baseball, as much as I love it, we used to play some sandlot baseball. But baseball doesn't set up well at all because if you only have four on a team, you can only hit one side of the field. And, but basketball, you can play two on two, three on three, four on four. It doesn't matter. You can play on one basket. You just mm-hmm. take it back, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, now, I mean, most basketball you played in the in the park was one basket. Oh, sure. No, you didn't run the court. Yeah. You played one. You took it back behind the foul line, and I mean, playing basketball growing up was like the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and I loved I loved playing basketball. What was the three on three tournament called? Hoop it up. Hoop it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's I right. never played in one of those. Did you play in one of those? No. I never. I wish they didn't I, have that when I was a kid. I, well, I didn't have it when I was a kid. 
But I mean, I wish. I mean, I like. I was the, younger when it became super popular. Yeah, and I, I wish we had played. I wish I'd played. I never played in that. I think they hosted it downtown. Yeah, they did. They did okay. for a while there. They did because I remember going to it and yeah, watching. I, I know Prosser told me he played. I don't know if he played. Prosser, I don't know if he did. It was a radio thing or if he had some buddies that played. Now the air it out, the four on four air it out, which was a blast. My, my buddies and I played in that forever. The, 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 the flag football one, right? But I never played. But basketball, basketball set up for. Basketball just sets up in, in, in a certain way. And I'll go back to what I said at the, at the top of the program, near the top, when we had Matthew Driscoll on. Here's what's funny. Basketball has taken all these different incarnations. Hoosiers where nobody shoots without four passes and, and, and don't dribble and see the floor. and Brother, it still comes down to can you put the biscuit in the basket. You know that? I mean, you can talk forever about everything. You look at all the great teams. And, I mean, even the two Florida National Championship teams, okay, it was great that that Noah was 6'11", almost 7 feet, and Horford was 6'10", and they blocked everybody's shot and dunked on everybody. But they don't win those titles without Lee Humphrey. And, and Torian Green. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they don't win those they don't win those titles without those guys making those shots. Well, the really to be honest, I would argue the most memorable sequences of those final fours was Lee Humphrey yes. coming out of halftime yes. and bearing two yes. threes yes. Uh, to basically set the tone for you're getting ready to get embarrassed. Yeah, It wasn't really – I mean, Noah and Horford made great plays. Brewer certainly made great plays. But the Humphrey threes right. were, to me, the most memorable, like, this is going to be Florida's night. Yeah, and Michael Frazier's. Those teams aren't as successful. The 14 with, team. With, yeah, the, great the 14 team without him. I mean, they did a lot of things well, but nobody could shoot like he could. The the, the Florida National Championship teams were about the perfect teams. Yeah. They had a 6'11", who's probably 7 feet, just didn't want to be called 7 feet, 6'11", center. They had a 6'10", power forward, which is about who could shoot. Who's still playing in the who's NBA. Who's still playing. Yeah. They had a 6'8", Small forward. He was probably a little taller than six eight. The last year, less than a six nine. So a six eight small forward who could shoot. They had a, a shooting guard who made everything, and they had a point guard that ran the offense and made what he had and, and, and made shots when he had to. And they had, they, they, for the most part, they played eight guys. But the sixth and seventh guy were Chris Richard, legend, right. or whatever you called him, SEC legend. Hey, SEC, it's, yeah, he's it is. the SEC legend right. for Florida this year. <laughs> and, and do you know who the backup guard was? Do you remember the backup guard? Hodge. Walter Hodge. Walter the lefty. Mm-hmm. And so Walter Hodge. I don't remember this, but number for Walter Hodge, please. Walter Hodge was 15, okay. I think. Now, I could be wrong. Hang on, hang on. Let me. Uh, I'll be impressed if you've stumped him. Yeah, you might have. <laughs> was he 15? Why do I say, why do I want to say, hang on, let me go through all the numbers. I have no idea. So, he was 42. I'm, I'm struggling with the numbers. 13, 42, Brewer. Now, you may have me there. I don't, I, I'm, I'm struggling with those numbers. Nope, 15 is correct. It was, okay, good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so I'm not, so I'm not struggling that much. No, either. you're not. Okay, so there nope. you go. But, Still got it. <laughs> but the, uh, but remember, Hodge and Chris Richard were the backups, and then they had a different big guy. The different one year it was Adrian Moss, mm-hmm. the other year it was Barry Spates, but didn't play mm-hmm. very much. Mm-hmm. It was mostly just the, the, the seven guys. So, man, that was a fun run. And wasn't Torian Green like a ninety percent? Free throw Made shooter. every free throw, didn't he? I yeah, mean, it, was, it like really that, was yeah. the perfect team. It was, it was the perfect, I mean, it, 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 it there was, was a, nothing yeah. that they wanted for yeah, and, for and two I, years. And I've told this story before many times about that team. All the veteran guys were gone the year before. The year before, they had David Lee and Matt Walsh and mm-hmm. Roberson and all these veteran guys. And when they all left, they were unranked to start the season. And I was doing morning radio with Pacelli. I've told you guys this story before. Tony and I were doing morning radio back then that year, the first year they won the title. 
and nobody had any expectations of them, not any. And and all of a sudden they started seventeen and zero. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And they went from unranked to ranked twenty third, fifteenth, to where to where they were ranked seventh because they were seventeen and zero. I mean, they had played nobody. They played. Do you remember they played oh, yeah. an awful schedule? Billy, yeah, really he, didn't want to test he, them. Correct. So yeah. we played an awful schedule. I remember Baselli looking at me and going, "All right, Frank, I know you're Gator guy. They're seventeen. They're seventh because they're seventeen and zero. You don't really believe they're the seventeen. You don't really believe they're the seventh best team in the country." Well, no, they weren't, Tony. They were the best team in the country the way it turned out. I mean, it was, it was just that kind of. I, I remember that clearly, and uh, and they shocked the world. And then and then and then to repeat. And remember, they beat a good UCLA team both years. Right. Once in the finals. And they beat that Greg Oden, Mike Conley, yeah. Ohio, State team. Ohio State team, which was with the officials giving Ohio State every call for the first twenty minutes. Yeah. So in, in fact, I, I mean, Florida was in foul trouble for a lot of that the whole game, game, the whole game, and still routed yeah. Ohio State. And, and Oden had a huge game. Didn't he have a huge game? Mm-hmm. I think mean, he had. Well, yeah. When you can't breathe on him, <laughs> right? That's right. He, he's going to have a huge game. Noah got a couple fouls in that game. Very that early. Just, that were just criminal calls. Very early on. Very early on. The question that that, that that was one of the most fun teams. I still say my most fun ever covering a team was the 94 team. That was my most fun ever covering a team, the team that went to the Final Four and then wound up losing to Duke in the Final Florida Four. Florida won 71-68. No, that's not right. It was bigger than that. This is a newer game. Never mind. Ignore mm-hmm. me. Okay, so I was going to tell you about Greg Oden, but the box score came up incorrect. But he, but he, he had a big game, though. If you find that game. He had, Here we go. 84-75. That's what I remembered. Greg Oden had. What do you 25 points. Yeah, yeah he, he went for 25, yeah. and Florida still beat him by 20. Well, I bet you Noah and Horford had at least eight combined fouls. Yeah, they did. They if had a lot not, of fouls. Yep, if not more. Right, right. I take a break. We're almost out of time. Lauren's going to wrap the program with news and notes after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to start in the world of college baseball you probably didn't think I was going to start there but I did see today that the University of Florida is picked to finish second in the SEC East and Frank between Brandon Sprout, Hurston Waldrop, Jack Cagliotone and Brandon Neely Florida's starting rotation could be among the best in college baseball this year. Well the first two guys Sprout and Waldrop and Waldrop I saw the other day they both hit 98. Wow. That's two college pitchers they both hit 98 They'll be that'll be the Friday Saturday guys. They wanted Pierce Coppola, the big lefty, to be the Sunday guy, the six foot eight guy, but he still he had back surgery last year and he's still not ready. They hope he's ready by the SEC season. So they're, look, they're going to be good. I mean, not everybody cares about college baseball. I really do. They're going to be they're going to be like good good. They're, they're, they they where do they rank? They ranked. I saw him from third to seventh. Basically. I've seen third. Yeah, they're they're going to be they're going to be really good. Which, by the way, this doesn't matter to either of you, but Florida Gymnastics is now in third place, no longer second place. Still behind Oklahoma, but now Michigan has a oh. little bit higher of an average score than Florida does. Okay. I'm not happy about it, but it really doesn't mean anything. Obviously, the postseason means a lot more. And by the way, someone tweeted me uh, this morning and said, you always talk about Florida Gymnastics, but Alabama is better. And I didn't exactly understand well. what the person meant because Florida beat Alabama earlier this season. Come to find out, Alabama has six national championships to Florida's four, which, of course, I maintain Florida should have won last year. The judges right, were crazy, right. so it should be six to five. But nonetheless, I wasn't talking about overall the life of the program. I was talking about the here and now. Uh, they, and, and you also told a person that if we were doing this show in Birmingham, 
we'd probably be talking about the <laughs> Alabama gymnastics program. Also possible. We talked a little bit about the NBA earlier. Russell Westbrook is the second player to get traded four times after being an MVP joining Bob McAdoo. Yeah, well, Bob McAdoo was a great scorer but not a great player. He was a great, great scorer. I think Russell Westbrook hey, is just a troublemaker. I think he's just. Uh, I just think he's, he's not a very good teammate. He's a good player. When he was young, he was a really good player. But teams weren't good around him. And it seems like his shooting is just really regressed. Right. And so he's, he's tough to depend on. Again, in an age where, you know, shooting is at a premium, yep. uh, he's, he's a hindrance in a lot of ways. Hayes, the SEC announced $721.8 million of total revenue was divided amongst the 14 universities. That was actually down a little bit from last year, but each school ended up getting $49.9 million. It's, uh, it's insane that that's where the numbers have gone, and the Big Ten's numbers are, are going to be even better. And this number for the SEC is only going to go up. This is, I think they borrowed uh, from the COVID losses. So I remember reading about a year ago that they were going to pay out a little extra in mm-hmm. the COVID year and make up for it in the coming years. Yep. So that's probably why it's uh, only $49.9 million per school. Um, <laughs> only. But, uh, I love yeah. how you said it like that. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's remarkable, the money in collegiate athletics. And, again, when the SEC's new deal with ESPN kicks in, I think the, uh, they're estimating it to be about $80 million a year per school. It's, it's just it's ridiculous. It's why Oklahoma and Texas picked up the phone and called Greg Sankey and mm-hmm. said, what do we have to do to join your league? I just watched his golf coach scout, by the yes. way. He made, he made 12 in a row. Because that's how people shoot. Good. Back to your point, Hayes. Not everything you said is exactly right. And that was the igniter, by the way, to the NIL. The, 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 I, I yep. think the numbers finally hit, a, they, they finally hit a high enough point to where the world's, okay, enough's enough. Okay. These players are getting nothing. When it, it, at this at this point, enough's enough, and I think that's what which is good. That's what players should get paid. No female in the history of the world talks about the blue chip ratio as much as I do. So yeah. naturally, we're going to talk about the blue chip ratio. Ohio State with a an incredible rating, ninety five percent, followed by Alabama ninety two percent, Georgia eighty four percent. And Florida, 80%. Yeah, and to explain, to explain to people what sure, that means. Sure, that means that you have more four- and five-star players than you do any other player as far as in the class that you just signed. So for 2023 only, not the roster overall, but for 2023 only, Ohio State 95%, Alabama 92%, Georgia 84%, and Florida 80%. And now the difference is Alabama, Georgia, and, uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are A. I've done this for a while. They're getting fives more. Not, they're, getting as many, sure. they're getting a lot of fives. Florida's not. And B, they're getting more guys. So there's a big, I would think there's a pretty big gap between what Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State did and what Florida did. But it does prove, I, I told you, I think Florida is going to get built under Billy Napier. I would be very, very surprised. I'm more confident of where I think this is going to head than any Florida coach since Urban. I may be dead wrong. I was, uh, I was, I was, I was moderately confident under Muschamp, and I was 100% wrong. I was never confident under McIlwain, and I was kind of right. I was not confident under Mullen and then realized I was wrong and then right, you know. But I, I am very confident this is going to get done in here. Very, and I'm very confident that he will get it built. I just That is my belief. The best thing right now with the Florida program is its recruiting. And, look, mm-hmm. that's great. That's, that's a big part of it. I'm not saying that to slight them in any way. Uh, Florida looks like in 2024 they're going to be right there. Uh, they are obviously off to an incredible start led by – DJ Lagway, the the outstanding four or five star quarterback, depending on where you're looking, and uh, and again, that's what they didn't have last year. They didn't have that quarterback leader 
to uh, help recruit the class. They're going to have that. Uh, the Athletic did a fantastic article on Lagway uh, and talks about why he's the ideal prospect for Florida right now. And, uh, and he makes it very clear in the story that uh, his goal is to recruit a number one class to Gainesville. So uh, you never know. There's a long way until signing day, but DJ Lagway seems completely locked into being a Gator. And, uh, you know, that will serve Billy Napier incredibly well because I think the expectation this year is for Florida to go from, you know, 11th to 13th in recruiting to somewhere probably in the top seven. So the other teams in this high blue chip ratio, Notre Dame 79%, LSU 72%, Clemson 65 Texas 64 A&M 63 and then Oregon, Penn State, and Miami all 60%. What team is notably left out of that that certainly we've been talking about a lot as being a team that could contend for the national title or at least the college football playoff? Florida State. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but again. Or USC, also it, not in there. And, and, and I, uh, that doesn't make me look down on Florida State. It makes me applaud him even more. And the fact that he can't get there yet, so he's mined the portal fabulously. Yeah, he's certainly done very well. All right, I've got a list of the best quarterback matchups ever in the Super Bowl. Love this. Let's see if you agree. Number one, on, Super Bowl. Can I guess? Oh, sure. Can of we, course can you we, can, can guess. Can we guess? Sure you I'm gonna can. Go, here's what I'm going to go. I'm going to go Montana Marino one. Okay. I'm going to go Staubach Bradshaw two. Okay. Hayes, you I'll go uh, Peyton Breeze. All right. All right those so are on three. this list, Peyton Breeze is number six. Okay. Bradshaw Staubach is number five. Really? And Montana Marino is number two. Really? So you've still got one and three if you would care to take a guess. Uh, number one is very recent. I'll give you that hint. What about Brady Mahomes? That's pretty Brady. good. That would be number one on this oh, list. Again, okay. th this is just a list from yeah. how can that possibly CBS be number Sports one? Brian I mean, Diardo. it is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of these lists that are put well because up, Brady's well, the best of all time, yeah. and they're saying Mahomes yeah. could be one Mahomes of the best of all time. Mahomes is twenty-seven years old. <laughs> yeah, that, I, obviously Brian should be out of work. That I'm is sorry, an, that Brian Diardo, but that is, that is an awful choice for number, number one. Number two that, is that is, that is as bad a choice. <laughs> I agree with Hayes on this. I almost want to retire from the business because of that choice is so bad. Okay, number three. We have not gotten number three. Would you care to take a guess? And this one is not all that recent. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm stuck. All right. Uh. Roethlisberger over Rodgers. Okay, it is Montana versus Elway. Oh, that's, uh, you know what? 1990. Yeah, yeah. I forgot Number they played. four yeah. on the list, Elway versus Favre in 98. Yeah, Montana, Elway. It was a bad Dumb. game, though. Yeah, but, but, but so but was that, Montana. But that, but that was a great matchup. Yeah. That was a great matchup. Roethlisberger versus Rodgers, the one that you just guessed, Hayes. Number seven on the list. Yep, yep. Number eight, Brady versus Kurt Warner back in 2002. Okay. Number two is in Mahomes and Hurts on <laughs> yeah, this yeah. list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, number nine, Bart Starr versus Lynn Dawson. By the way, how's that one number nine <laughs> and Mahomes Brady's number one? Bart Starr, Lynn Dawson is nine? Yeah. And finally, I'll just give you number 10. They have all 57 ranked, but number 10 Brian does. Okay. Troy Aikman versus Jim Kelly yeah, in 93 and 94 both times. By the way, just so you know, it didn't end up this way because Earl Morrill started the game. But at the end of the Super Bowl three. It was, oh, I don't know, Unitas Namath, okay? And I didn't start that way, but just for the record, may, maybe you've heard of those guys. 
Yeah, I, I had I had a feeling that number one would upset you both, which is why the list was actually so much fun for me. Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com put together a move for each super non-Super Bowl team. So 30 teams, non-Super Bowl teams. As for the Jaguars, he said they must franchise tag Evan Ingram. Ingram was a perfect fit in Doug Peterson's office. Offense setting career highs with 73 catches for 766 yards. Yeah, so um, I, I think, by the way, do you think Ingram and Taylor are both back, yes or no? Yes. Yes or no? 100% yes. I'm not 100% because I worry about the money Taylor's going to get. I put it at like 55%. But, I, but, I, but, I, but if I had to go yes or no, I'd go yes. I worry about the money Taylor's going to be offered. I agree. But I, uh, but I, I, I will say 100% that I think Ingram's back. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's 100% one of the two because they will tag sure. one of the two right. if, if need be. But, uh, but yeah, getting them both back, I'm, I'm confident that they'll do it, but it's not an overwhelming confidence. See, the reason I say absolutely is because I saw where recently Juwan Taylor said he wants to stay here. So, And maybe that's just player speak, but I think he's going to – Make sure that he's still in Jacksonville. He loves this team. They all seem to love each other. We talked certainly about Trevor yesterday and then the wonderful article that he penned in the Players' Tribune. All right, so here's what Greg Rosenthal has for the other teams in the AFC South as far as the one offseason move that they must make. As for the Colts, find a left tackle possibly at the expense of another lineman. Don't they kind of need a quarterback? Yeah, yeah, and, and he's probably trying to maybe go away from the obvious. But I'll tell you the funny thing about that. When they had when, – when Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly were going good, right. I thought that offensive line was built for the long haul. It's become terrible. It fell apart quick. I mean, it really did. It really did. As for the Texans, sign a veteran quarterback to pair with a rookie to be named later. And, and uh, I would just keep Davis Mills. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's adequate enough. He's – cheap he's going into year three yeah, yes i don't agree that and then that must be yeah, the i mean obviously had the other i would have mills back up yeah. bryce young yeah i wouldn't have a quarterback competition for the first three weeks of training camp <laughs> like someone did here and finally for the titans release taylor lewan as part of offensive line overhaul yeah he is taylor lewan what made him good is he was good and chippy um i'm not sure he's as good as he was if you're to, you got the Titans got to figure out what they're doing. Mike Keith and I had this conversation. Mike told me before the game. He said, "We don't know where they're headed. Is it a rebuild? Is it is it just to try to patch it up and make one more run at it?" He, he said. He said, "In all his years of doing it, he's been there the whole time. In all his years of doing it, he said, I've never been more not not just him. We've all never been more unclear of what direction this thing." is headed and needs to be headed. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. I, I think, and I'm not saying this, you know, because I, I, it would benefit the Jaguars because I, I do think it's the smartest long-term thing for Tennessee. They should tear it down. They should trade the Yuli Bulldozer. They should trade Simmons. You already kind of started this when you traded Brown. So you can't t- trade right. A.J. Brown right. and then be like, we're still in a win-it-right-now mode. I think – they would still they'd get great value for Henry and Simmons, and I'd let Tannehill go. Uh, I think Tennessee would could bounce back quickly if they went ahead and traded some of their established stars for well, uh, draft well, compensation. Well, you trade Jeffrey Simmons, that's a that's a you get a haul for him now. Absolutely. I mean, you you'd get. I mean, he's he's honestly next to Aaron Donald might be the best interior if you if you consider Chris Jones an end. Jeffrey Simmons might be the best interior lineman in the league other than Aaron Donald. 
Don't you think? Yeah, he's I mean, really you're, good. You're getting a first-round pick and yes, more. You, you with are Simmons. absolutely. You and are. with Derrick Henry, I still think you're going to get probably a two, could, and, and maybe a four, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it may be a two with a contender. Yeah. So it might be more of a mid to late two. Yeah. But, I, uh, I don't sense that's where they are, though. I don't. I, I sense they're. I don't sense they're ready to give up. Yeah. So we'll see. We certainly shall. Before we watch this hoops game, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping 1010XL on track with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Ballou joins us now. Ricky B, how we doing, buddy? You know, everything is great. It, it really is. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of award shows. But tonight is the 12th annual NFL Honors. And if you're going to try to tell me that Kelly Clarkson is the host, I'm locked in. And we're going to find out right out of the gate whether or yep. not it's Doug Peterson who does get the Associated Press Coach of the Year. So that'll be a lot of fun. And for me, the most important part of all of this, of course, a year ago on Pins and Needles with the announcement of Tony Baselli, but five new players will be yep. announced tonight who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. You know what's funny about that, Rick, is I wish Fred had made the finalist list. I really do, and I think he belonged on it. But with him not on it and Tony in, there's less nervousness now, isn't there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was ner- we, we, I was nervous as heck. We're, we're, we're all nervous, you know? Yeah, it was, um, it was very interesting a year ago, and you know, I think Fred is probably two, maybe three years away. There, there's really not a lot of competition uh, with current running backs, it, it's a very difficult class. I'll tell you what else I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. You have three wide receivers tonight. Jimmy Smith is farther out than Fred Taylor, but you need to start to have one or two of these wide receivers every year uh, getting in so then you can get to Jimmy Smith and start to make a, a better opinion on him and, and show what he did during – his time here, but you know, the Reggie Waynes, the Andre Johnsons, the Tory Holtz, they got to get into the Hall of Fame in order that, you know, for that to open up the door for uh, for Jay Smooth. Well, uh, well said. All right, a lot of that coming up tonight, Rick. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of great stuff here planned over the next couple of hours and uh, really looking forward to it. Rick, I appreciate it. Rick Ballou. See ya. Goes, goes into the night right now. That'll do it for our program, but don't go anywhere. You'll be listening to Rick for the next two hours. We'll be watching basketball at 7 o'clock tonight. Hope you're coming out to watch it in this fantastic uh, refurbished arena here. What a beautiful floor they've got down there. Gulf Coast and UNF. Tomorrow back in studio, we're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Franzi. So long.